Test laid plans of mice and men. Hi, it's Glenn Clark Radio. I promise it's not Simply the Bets, even if you're on YouTube, and it says it's Simply the Bets. We did that yesterday, and if you missed it, it was glorious. I mean, you you really should uh, be kicking yourself over the fact that you weren't there for it, but um, this is a different thing. I promise you, this is Glenn Clark Radio that we're going to do now, and it's a loaded Glenn Clark Radio. A lot to do on a Wednesday edition of the program. Coming up in a few minutes, Maryland tight end Corey Deitches is going to join us. He's an, he's an angry runner. He's a hell of a player. We'll talk to him uh, after Maryland got a win in Indiana. Now, a little bit of question. Obviously, the good news. Talia Tungavailoa not done for the year. Day-to-day, not ruled out even for Northwestern. I think most of us are operating under the idea that probably not going to play against Northwestern. Get through the bye. See where you are at that point. But who knows? Maybe maybe he's okay. He just re-aggravated an injury as bad as it looked on the field in Indiana on Saturday. Talia Tungavailoa, not done for the year. But we'll talk to Corey Deitches about uh, all things Maryland football. He's looking like maybe the next Maryland tight end after the likes of Chigakonkwo. And, you know, once upon a time, I'm, I'm not trying to say he's going to be Vernon Davis because that's an almost impossible standard to live to. But uh, Matt Murphy, a former Maryland tight end that succeeded a lot of Maryland tight ends over the years. Frank Wycheck, of course, legendarily. Um, you know, we'll see how things plan out. I think Tyler Mabry is still in the NFL at the moment, in fact. Um, maybe on a practice squad. But uh, so is Deshaun Jackson. So how about that? I was weird, looking I was looking times. for my my Deshaun Jackson jersey that I had, my ah. Eagles Deshaun Jackson jersey that I yeah. got in like fifth grade. Yeah. I was looking for it in my basement. I just couldn't find it. I was I was excited. I wanted to wear it today. Why would you do that? Why why Sean would Jackson, you want to? I mean, to, he was literally like my favorite player. Why in would you grade. want to put us through that? Why in the world would you make us have to experience that? That would be very frustrating. Um, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. I think I said everything I needed to say a day ago, but I'll I'll clean it up a little bit today. Uh, also, this morning we will start celebrating. We're gonna do a little bit of this over the next couple of days. The Ravens are holding their anniversary event for um, the 10th anniversary of Super Bowl 47 this weekend. They're going to celebrate that team at the uh, Browns game. I'm, I'm guessing Joe Flacco will not be available to be a part of it, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the other guys are going to be there, including um, Ray Rice, who's going to join us today. I don't know if, if B.A. I assume that means B, is B.A. home? Do we know? Like he is, He's on the West Coast right now. Yeah, I don't know if he's yeah. going to be there or not. Um, last time I talked to him, he was in Europe, and I was kind of wondering. Like he, he was making it seem very open-ended when I chatted with him. Uh, love B.A., uh, Brendan Iambadejo, one of my favorites. I think uh, some of you probably remember that uh, he and I did a show together. Um, not the Super Bowl year. That was the Dennis Pitta show. The year before that, we did a uh, the year they re- reached the AFC title game. Uh, BA, BA and I did a show together. So, looking forward to catching up with him, sharing some memories about uh, ten years ago when the Ravens run to the Super Bowl. And uh, also this morning, Tyler Dunn, author of The Blood and Guts: How Tight Ends Save Football. It's quite a dramatic statement. How they save. Football. Um, we're going to talk to Tyler Dunn. I have gotten a couple chapters into the book. I have specifically chosen to read the uh, more relevant local chapters, like the um, uh, John Mackey chapter in there. There's also an Ozzie Newsome uh, chapter in there. So I uh, I chose those, and I've enjoyed them a great deal. This dude loves tight ends. This guy he freaking loves tight ends, and it shows. And um, it's a really good read, so I'm looking forward to chatting with Tyler Dunn about that here in a bit. 
and uh, Drew Forrester. Right, yeah. We got to do that, too. <laughs> like, all these other things are like, yeah, we got a great show. And then we're like, oh, right. And, uh, and, uh, and, also, uh, and also Drew. <laughs> we can really do about that. It's what it is. Did you, uh, did you send me the information that I need? I, I should have. Right, yes. I got it. Yes. I yes. got it. Very good. Yeah. All right, so all that coming up on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. By the way, look, I you know I love Leon Twyman. We had him on Simply the Bets yesterday, which, again, was a show we did yesterday, not today. Leon Twyman's going over. I always say, hey, man, what else do we need to know about what's going on this week? And he goes over all the various things that are going on. Of course, they got same day par- uh, Same Game Parlay Plus available. They've got... Um, Still the promotion where you can register your $25 Super Bowl futures bet in order to win two tickets to the Super Bowl. They got all sorts of stuff going on. Kind of casually left out a pretty big deal. Tonight, in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, a live appearance by George Murison. My giant! George Marison is going to be there hanging out to watch the first uh, Wizards game of the oh, season. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> in the FanDuel's. Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I was a little bit mad. I was like, hey, dude, uh, how do we get him on my show? And he was like, well, you can come out. And I was like, that's not the question that I asked, Leon. <laughs> I had George Marison on once, so I don't, you know, I, it's not a big deal to me. Like, I, I'll live. But, oh, man, George Marison's going to be there. That's cool, man. Um, so I would encourage you, if you don't have plans for tonight, even if you're not a Wizards fan, and I get it, there's very few of them anywhere. Like, it's just the reality. I consider myself a Wizards fan. Why? Because basketball is a fun sport, and I need a reason to watch the NBA when it's not April. Right, well, so, you can watch the NBA. There are I, games on every night. I need, to have a, I need to have a team I'm rooting for. I need to have a rooting interest. But I don't understand why it would be the Wizards. Because they're nearby, and I can go to their games Th- if I want this, to. You live in Westminster. They're not nearby anything. It's like an hour. It's like an hour. A little over an hour. It's a I bit more than an hour. It's not, a not bit when I more drive. Than, not no, 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 no. You can't do anything about how hellacious traffic is. You can't change that in any way. There is no world in which you can go to a Wizards game ever within an hour. Not a possibility. It has never happened. If they play the game at three in the morning, you wouldn't be able to get there in an hour. Stop. If you're a Wizards fan, you're a Wizards fan. That's your choice. I just don't get it. That's my point. I don't understand. Like, again, it, this is a little bit more unique. You know, at least the people, the handful of people around here that are Capitals fans, the team was good. Like, the Wizards stink and have always stunk, have never been relevant, well, and have no local. Con- uh, this year they have a local connection. Will Barton is uh, a Wizard. And I, you know, obviously, um, Wes Unsell Jr. You know what? This is probably the most local connection there's ever been to the Wizards at this point. Um, well, I mean, yeah, they've never been good, but I'm used to that because I'm an Orioles fan. So. Well, the Orioles have actually been good sometimes. Yeah, they have been good sometimes. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the, you know, the, the Wizards, Wizards when they sneak in in that eighth spot, that eighth. Yeah, that's is, not good. It's so exciting. <laughs> that's just participating. <laughs> God, what a I don't know why Bradley Beal is stuck existence. around. Um, I don't know, man. Like he's got a good life. Who cares? I'm not judging Bradley Beal. I don't. We're not gonna talk about the Wizards. Who gives a rat's ass about the Wizards? I care about George Mirasan, who's gonna be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland tonight. So I encourage you to check that out. All right. Um, look, the Deshaun Jackson thing. If you want me to get worked up, I, I got it all out yesterday. We're, there's two different things going on here. The first thing is the Deshaun Jackson part of it, which is irrelevant. And that's the part that we can't, it's, it's tough to say out loud because we're thinking too much about the other part of it. But on surface level, signing Deshaun Jackson to your practice squad is a giant nothing. It, it could not be 
less relevant. Who cares? It's not hurting something. It's not taking away an opportunity from a player that should be getting it. I believe the player they released from the practice squad was Slade Bolden, who was hurt anyway. Like, stop. You don't care this much. You really don't. Not about Deshaun Jackson individually. Obviously, what you care about is you're doing it again. That's the part. Like, we're not really reflecting on Deshaun Jackson. If the Ravens did this at another position with a comparable player, I'm trying to think of who a veteran cornerback is that's out there on the street. Um, I'm sorry, we just don't pay attention to the cornerback the same way. I don't know who might not be on a team at this point that would be of a relevant age that you could... Jimmy Smith would have been the perfect argument, right? If they brought back Jimmy Smith this season, we wouldn't have blinked, would we? We would have been like, okay, sure. It can't hurt to have some depth. Why not? If Jimmy Smith decided in September he wanted to play again, and the Ravens were like, dude, you know, we kind of moved on, and you didn't do training camp, and we're not sure what shape you're in. Look, we'll give you a shot on the practice squad, and, you know, we'll we'll go from there. We would have said, cool. Yeah, all right, sure. It's, It's Jimmy Smith. Why wouldn't we? Jimmy Smith's a little bit younger than Deshaun Jackson, so it's not a direct comparison. I'm trying to think of... I, I couldn't possibly tell you who a 30... My God. Mal- Malcolm Butler, maybe? Is Mal- I don't know he, when, he's a free agent. I don't know when Malcolm Butler last played in the NFL, yeah. if I'm being totally honest with you. I, like, it might have been five years since Malcolm Butler played in the NFL. Richard Sherman. Uh, did he play last year? A did little he bit. He played year? some... Wasn't he in like Tampa at one point? Didn't he attempt yeah, to... I, mean, he... I want to say he was in... I really do believe that he was in... Tampa last year, if I remember correctly. How old is Richard Sherman? Is he 35 He's 34. As well? He's 34. So, okay, that's about the same, right? Like, Deshaun Jackson's 35, Richard Sherman's 34. Yeah, he was with the Bucks last year. So, if they signed Richard Sherman and put him on the practice squad, we, I mean, we'd probably talk a little bit about, like, him losing his mind this offseason. We'd probably have some concerns about that, but, you know, he seems to be holding up okay as he does this broadcast thing. Our reaction would be... Whatever. We'd be largely indifferent. We'd probably think it was kind of cool that Richard Sherman... We'd, we'd start saying, you know, sorry-ass Crabtree all over the place. We would think it was kind of neat that Richard Sherman was a Raven at this point. And maybe if the Ravens hadn't done this so many times over the years, we wouldn't feel as strongly that we do about Deshaun Jackson. What we're reacting to really isn't Deshaun Jackson. What we're reacting to is the totality of the Ravens doing this again. 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 And we're reacting to... We're also reacting to the fact that... um, They could have done something else. Not... Not necessarily now, although maybe, you know, like you could make the argument of Robbie Anderson. They could have done that. It's that they're doing this again, and they're doing it sort of acknowledging the need, but not really solving the problem. Deshaun Jackson isn't fixing this. I mean, look, again, can it hurt you? No, I don't think it can hurt you. But there's no way to have any expectations for Deshaun Jackson beyond, you know, what you had for Des Bryant, which was next to nothing. So, it, it is a really weird feeling that I have. I mean, it, it, it is. It's a weird 
feeling. Which is, I want to be able to sit here and say, dude, this doesn't matter, calm down. This is nothing. You're reacting to nothing. But I can't. Because I understand that all of those other feelings are quite real and legitimate. I'm not trying to dismiss any of the emotions you have about this being the story of the Ravens in the wide receiver position. It's, it's embarrassing. It goes back to the thing you know I, I said last week. It's the, you, you date a girl you have a really healthy relationship with, and at some point down the road, you realize she has one particular flaw that just sticks in your crawl. Or a dude, if you're into dudes. I'm not here to judge. I mean, you, if you're a woman that listens to this show, I know we have a few. Not many, but I know we have a few. Or if you're a dude who likes dudes, whatever it is that you're into. Maybe you're a woman who listens to a show that is also into women. I don't, I don't, whatever. But the person that you're into, you're really into. It's great. You have a very healthy relationship. It's been fruitful. Sure, you have issues like anybody does in a relationship. But you've had a largely very good relationship with this person. But somewhere into the relationship, everybody else noticed their painful laugh. (laughs) And you never did because you were in love. We put this up on TikTok, I believe, yesterday. This this bit that I did. This is the re- that's what we're reacting to. We're reacting to the laugh being thrown in our faces. We're reacting to the fact that she always gets your friends' names wrong. You've been together for years. She knows all your friends. They're her friends too. And yet, for some reason, when you go out, she always calls your buddy Bill Brian. You're like, why? Do you do you hate him? Like you, these things that aren't necessarily fatal flaws, but you can't help it. They stick in your crawl. And that's what we're feeling about the Ravens with Deshaun Jackson. It's like, really? This is what you're doing? You know there's a problem, but instead of trying to fix it and solve it, you're doing this. We denied there was a problem when everyone could see there was a problem. I mean, some people like to pretend some people always want to believe that like, the Ravens know best and all that. Like, there, there was a lot of nonsense this summer about, well, they've got Mark Andrews. They don't need wide receivers. Like, Shut up. I mean, we did this every day. I mean, I, I, I'm, this is ad nauseum for me. Like, we couldn't have talked about this more. They, we knew there was a problem. We knew there was an issue. And the Ravens did nothing. They were like, wide receivers? Who needs wide receivers? What are you guys talking about? We'll just go ahead and try to win without wide receivers. I, I made a comparison. It turns out I was wrong. I, I compared it to the Seattle Seahawks deciding they didn't need a quarterback. As it turns out, they had one. Weird bit. Um, like, why would we need that? Where are we going? We don't need roads. Like, I, I, it was very confusing. And that's what our emotion is about. That's why we're infuriated today. We're infuriated today. Because we knew. We saw. The Ravens should have known. They should have seen. It's more concerning that they didn't. And now we get to this point, and instead of the answer being someone qualified to help, Robbie Anderson, maybe another wide receiver that perhaps could be available. I get it. It's very difficult. Like It is really tough. You're still only six weeks into the season. And with seven playoff teams, I, I know when people are bringing up the name Curtis Samuel right now, 
And we can laugh and say, you know, Washington has no chance. And they're the, the worst organization in the history of football. But, like, Ron Rivera might also be coaching for his job. He might need to get to eight wins, salvage something this season to have a chance to stick around. The idea that he's going to be on board with just giving up Curtis Samuel is foolishness. It was a very unique situation with Robbie Anderson. Probably made it more worthwhile to do what the Cardinals did. You can't, you're in the situation that you're in because of what you didn't do in the past. And we're infuriated. Does it mean the Ravens can't win? Not at all. If they get Rashad Bateman back this week, you know, they were pretty good offensively when they had Rashad Bateman. Did they need more than that? Yep. Would it have helped them in games where Rashad Bateman got hurt? Yep. But there's no reason to think that it's a fatal flaw, that they can't win something without it, in the same way that that laugh might not doom your relationship with a special person. But the reality is that it's a huge problem, and you can't shake it, and that's what we're feeling. Our reaction isn't about Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's a nothing. Deshaun Jackson's irrelevant. He's just a guy. You you couldn't name other players on the Ravens practice squad. I mean, maybe a couple of the guys that are veterans. I guess the practice squad's a weird place now because, like, real players end up on the practice squad. Maybe you could name one or two, but I doubt it. Anthony Brown, he's on the practice squad, right? I assume so. (laughs) I mean, it's also possible they released him from the practice squad at some point this season. We just didn't bother to pay attention because we don't care. I think he's still on the practice squad. Of course, the uh, quarterback from Oregon who um, looked decent in the preseason. Um, we just don't care this much, but we care about the totality of it. And I get that, that some people are tired. I, it's funny, I, my buddy, I invited him on yesterday, and I just missed his text back, and I didn't get him on. Um, but my buddy Spencer Schultz from Baltimore Beatdown, like literally on Monday was going on about the need to upgrade wide receiver, and then by Monday night was like, we're pay, we're ca- we care too much about wide receiver. I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is a weird bit. I was trying to, like, understand it. And then I sort of got it as I read more of his content during the day yesterday that it's just that he's exhausted by it. And I get that. We're exhausted by the conversation constantly being about wide receiver. But to pretend like it's not real or hasn't been a major issue that we have dealt with for a very long time. At most in Ravens history, there have been a couple of years where they had two qualified receivers on the field. We're celebrating the 10th anniversary of the 2012 Ravens, and you could argue they had two and a half. That it was the best compilation of wide receivers they've ever put together. Interestingly enough, they won the Super Bowl. Go figure. Plus Dennis Pitt. I mean, they had, yeah, but I mean they, they were, they've always had tight ends, though. Yeah, like yeah. They've, it, True. It's, it's so rare to find a Ravens team that didn't have something quality at tight end. Um, Dennis Pitt, not even, you know, I mean, he's the, at the third, maybe, best tight end in Ravens history. I It'd be an argument, but I don't even, actually, you know what? I don't even think there is an argument. I think he's the fourth. I think Shannon Sharp would still be a higher on the list. Even at the place where he arrived in his career, I still think that Shannon Sharp would be the fourth or the third greatest tight end in Ravens history. Um, you know, they, then they had the, the you know, a little a, a moment where Steve Smith and Torrey Smith were together, and that was pretty qualified. You know, still Steve Smith at the tail end of his career, but he was quite productive still at that point. Um you know, they had the moment where Michael Jackson and Derek Alexander were together at the beginning of their history. But, like, they have been fleeting. 
There have been so few moments where they've ever had two qualified receivers on the field at the same time. For a, for a half a minute last year, they had Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman together for a half a minute. And we think those are two qualified wide receivers. We, we think. Like, we're still not totally certain, but we think those are two qualified receivers in Bateman and Brown. Um, you know, it's, it, it is the thing of all of the wonderful things that we say about the Ravens, of everything they've earned. And we don't take that away. The Ravens are one of the gold standards in all of football. Stability. You know, only a few really embarrassing moments over the years. They're not the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not the Detroit Lions. They're not the Carolina Panthers. They're not the Washington Commanders. They're more relevant even than the Minnesota Vikings. But this has been the thing. This has continued to loom large over this franchise. And here we are again. 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 And you're throwing Deshaun Jackson at it. 35. Throwing it at it and just hoping for the best. Is it impossible? No. It's not impossible that it could work. Not, I mean, they say work. It, qualify that, right? Qualify the concept of work. Right? Like, if... Um... Could it be semi-productive? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, mean, I mean, guess not, but maybe. I mean, Des Bryant wasn't even semi-productive, wasn't even a minimally helpful piece. If that's the standard, maybe Deshaun Jackson can surpass that. It's a very low bar. Extraordinarily low bar. But this is a bigger problem. And it's just, it's unbelievable. To the point where it, like, reminds you of Dan Duquette, you know, when, when they would ask about international signings, and he would be like, we philosophically object to the idea of participating in that market. And you'd be like, yeah, dude, like, uh, okay. So you're just going to lose? Like, the value that you, like, making a statement it makes you wonder about, like, are the Ravens just saying, we won't pay wide receivers what they're worth? So you're just going to lose? We, we credit the Ravens for zigging where other teams zagging, right? Like, everybody else is devaluing these other positions so the Ravens can step in and get really good players at those positions. Uh, cool? I, I, this fell into the Tyler Linderbaum conversation I was having this week. Like, where everybody wants to believe that they're watching a guy that's going to be a 10-year, high-quality pro. And we don't know that, but sure, there's a possibility of that. But is that more impactful? And does that get you closer than a splashy player at another position? A wide receiver? An edge rusher? I I don't know that it does. 
I like Tyler Linderbaum. This is not me being down on Tyler Linderbaum, despite the fact that that was egregious, obviously, what happened on Sunday. I've seen a lot of good from Tyler Linderbaum. But do I know that a quality 10-year center is a more helpful piece in building a Super Bowl champion than a short-term, high-level wide receiver? Sure as F don't. I, I don't. I don't know how anybody could pretend like they could. And to say, well, we won because we found that guy, I don't know, maybe. Maybe. I I hope, because that's the guy the Ravens have. I hope that Tyler Linderbaum ends up being the difference, that being able to have a quality center for the next 10 years helps the Ravens win Super Bowls. But the fact that we're still here and doing this at wide receiver and still trying to figure out why it is that this continues to happen, I suggest to me that maybe the answer is there's a reason why everybody else is trying to get wide receivers. Maybe. M- maybe. All right. Um, I don't know what's going on with Corey Deitch. Just hopefully we'll catch up with him at some point during the course of the show. But we got a lot to do on a Monday edition of the program. Uh, we also have a brand new print issue of Pressbox. That's not it. So I'm going to wait till I have it to show it to you. I'm not going to. This is the old one. You can't get that anymore. No, no, no. You can't have this. We got a new print one. We'll tell you more about that in a bit. What I'll tell you about right now instead is that if you missed Stay on the Fan, Charles Ross Grimsley and Boog Powell talking baseball on Monday, you can find it right now Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Uh, we know Tyler Dunn is going to join us. We're going to talk tight ends with him here in a bit. A lot to do on a Would You Rather. Oh, I'll get the scenarios up. They're up on Facebook for Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Glory Days Girl. I'll get them up on Twitter right now. It's a Wednesday, Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover new maryland basketball coach kevin willard sits down with stan charles and glenn clark to discuss the situation he inherited in college park and how he plans to get the program turned around also inside we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area and Bo smoker profiles ravens receiver devin duvernay press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with PressBox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests and, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 1st at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Hartford Road. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. (laughs) 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a a three-and-a-half-star review, too. All right. Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter for you to check them out there and for you to participate. If you don't, you are um, you should be shamed for the rest of eternity. What are you doing with your life? Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer or buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes at a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. A bummer of a night in baseball last night. Uh, both ends. Obviously, the Yankees winning. That sucks. That's always going to suck. There's no getting around it. By the way, there's always, like, one hipster douche in town that, like, when the Yankees have played the Astros in the playoffs the last couple of years, is like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't know who I would root for in that scenario. Get out. I mean, like, it's overwhelming now because Trey Mancini's there. Like, wh- what are you talking about? I get it. We all want attention on social media. We all want some... Me, 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 me. Stop. Stop. You're rooting for the Astros because, one, Trey Mancini is an Astro, and two, they're not the Yankees. This ain't hard. You root for the team that isn't the Yankees, unless that team is the Red Sox, in which case you root for, you know, the stadium to collapse. Um... You, you, this is not an e- a difficult thing. I get it. We all want attention. We all want to seem very cool and, and special. And we all want somebody to tell us we're pretty. Where's Carson when I need him to tell everybody that they're pretty? You might have to take on that role, Griffin. All right. You might have to be the one. Tell everyone they're very pretty. Everyone, you are very, very pretty. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Now you know you're very pretty. And so you can shut up about, I don't know who to root for. Just shut up. God. Um... So that sucked. I mean, that just that sucks. But Yankees Astros ALCS starts tonight. Quick turnaround, obviously, for the Yankees after playing Game Five yesterday. So they have to start Jamison Tyon in Game One against Justin Verlander uh, tonight. Um, and then I assume we're all rooting for the Padres. I guess there might be some of you that are rooting for the Phillies for some reason. But I would imagine Manny Machado would make most of. It. There, there is always the again the douchebags that are like, oh, I don't like Manny Machado because. Uh, he didn't he didn't run hard enough. Like, you know, get the F out of here. One of the greatest baseball players we ever got to watch in this city, and you've just decided that you don't like him, that you know, God bless. I, I wish you well with your life, but you offer nothing. 
Um, I assume we're all rooting for the Padres. Or again, those of us with brains are all rooting for the Padres. So that that sucked. They got absolutely overwhelmed by Zach Wheeler. One hit. One hit over seven innings. Overwhelmed. They did put together a little bit of a ninth inning rally. And when they got two extra outs, I thought to myself, well, there might be some magic in them hills. And they had... Juan Soto at the plate first. He was the one that hit the ground ball that they botched the double play. And then they had Manny Machado and Josh Bell. and just wasn't meant to be. So the Padres dropped game one. I think most people have assumed that even though the Padres surrender home field advantage, that was a series that was likely to go a little bit longer. It's not like you Darvish pitched poorly. He did give up the longest home run I've ever seen in my life to Kyle Schwarber. Holy balls, man. <laughs> like... It was I I've seen a lot of things. I haven't seen a lot like that. That was insanity. Um so you know, that was kind of crazy. But outside of that, um you Darvish pitched well. He he gave up two regret he had two regrettable pitches during the course of the game. Other than that, he was really good for seven innings. So um I, I don't think I'm not like worried that the Padres just fall apart because they drop game one. They get to turn around and you know, they got more good pitching, although, of course, the Phillies get to start Aaron Nola this afternoon, so they got that going for them, which is nice. Um, that game, again, that'll be the 4-30 game this afternoon, game two between the uh, Padres and the Phillies, and then the 7-30 game tonight will be the ALCS game one. <sighs> Yankees, Yankees. What it is. What are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, the Yankees, indeed, will uh, take on the Astros in that. Maybe they'll get embarrassed because Verlander's on the mound and they're going with Tyon. Yeah, I hope. I hope and that's the case. Tired. I, I hope they get their asses kicked. I hope they get hammered during the course of this series. The other interesting story, and again, it's not local, so we didn't really. I don't think we're paying attention to it all that much, but definitely an interesting story in the NFL is Robert Ursay making the comments. By the way, are there are there two people that you could like less? And I said Robert Ursay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's no one you can like less. Jim Ursay, of course, uh, and uh, Dan Snyder, the two of the most unlikable people you could imagine involved in this. Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts at the NFL owners' meetings this week, suggests that it might be time for Daniel Snyder to go and that it might be time for him to be removed by a vote from other NFL owners. And, again, that some of the stuff that Al Michaels said recently, the fact that high-level partners of the league are saying this louder and louder does make you think that this is becoming more real. Now, I don't I don't care. As I said a million times before, I'm, I'm in a weird place where the misery of the Washington Commanders once upon a time just used to soothe my soul because I truly hated that franchise. Growing up when we didn't have football and me being convinced that I was supposed to be a Washington Commanders fan, like Griffin has decided to be a Washington Wizards fan for some reason. As soon as the Baltimore Bullets come back. Like, it was infuriating. It's infuriating anytime anyone tries to suggest that Baltimore is part of the Washington market. And... People that come in from all over the place always think that way. Like, well, we could get two markets there. No. No, you can't market to Baltimore. Every time I hear someone run, like a, 
like a fast food company run commercials in Baltimore like, and you guys can check out our mumbo sauce. And you're like, nobody in Baltimore gives a rat's ass about that. That is a DC thing. And it's fine, by the way. I don't dislike mumbo sauce, but it's, we don't care about it here. It, it, there are two very different markets that agree on very few things. Maryland is one thing that sports-wise stands out. Otherwise, very little. Again, there's a handful of Capitals fans up here. But it's not nearly as many as they think there are. I mean, the ones that are Capitals fans, they think everybody up here likes the Capitals. It ain't. We've done all the research. There's very little. There's like three Wizards fans. But again, in fairness, there's like three Wizards fans in D.C. There's just not much there. So once upon a time, I hated that franchise because they were tried to they tried to force them upon me once upon a like I would want to sit down as a kid and watch a big game like the Cowboys would be playing the 49ers and I'd be like man I can't wait to watch that game and then I'd flip my TV on and find out that they had the Redskins Cardinals game was the game that I got to watch so I did I hated them I got over it after a point because it got so embarrassing and I like I felt for the people down there I really do there are people that have truly been through a lot like they've been they're just fans of a team. I respect it. I respect rooting for the team where you're from. Instead of just abandoning it and deciding to be a Cowboys fan or deciding to be a Lakers fan or whatever stupid thing. I have great respect for people that just say, look, I don't care if they're bad. This is, this is part of my identity. My father grew up taking me to games. This is the team that I root for. And I started at some point to genuinely feel bad for those people, for everything that they've been through. But then there's a very practical side of it, which is it's one less competitive organization. (laughs) Instead of competing against 31 other NFL teams to try to win a Super Bowl every year, the truth is you've only had to compete against 30 because Washington isn't one. So I've kind of wavered on my feelings of this. Like, for those people, they don't deserve to still have to have Dan Snyder on the football team. They deserve for there to be competence and, you know, relevance to that franchise. For those people that have suffered and stuck through. But, you know, as a Ravens fan, (laughs) it wouldn't hurt to have one less team you got to worry about every year. Like, it doesn't hurt to know, well, there's definitely one team that has no chance. So instead of competing against 31, you get to compete against 30. So I'm, I've always been torn about this. I don't know how I feel. I mean, like, by, by human decency standards, of course, Daniel Snyder should not be allowed to own an NFL team. Of course. Of course. And we should probably be capable of just saying that. And it looks like we're finally moving towards that. I mean, he still appears to be digging in and, you know, fighting and scratching and clawing and doing everything in his power, but it does finally feel like we're moving in the direction that that dude is no longer going to be allowed to be a part of this thing. It's slow, and I'm sure everybody in D.C. would say to themselves, could we please speed this process up a little bit? But it looks like the winds are blowing that that day is finally coming. All right, uh, joining us now, really excited. I uh, I have been diving into this book. It's called The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. You can see it right there if you're with us on the video stream. It's um, 
it's a really fascinating read, and I admit that I have not, like, I've been skipping around because I wanted to get to the local. I've read, I read the John Mackey tra- chapter. I read the Ozzie Newsome chapter. I read a little bit of the Ghost from the Post stuff. I don't, like, I've, I've been kind of moving all around in this book, but I'm really excited to welcome Tyler Dunn, the author of The Blood and Guts, to GCR. Tyler, it's, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Glenn, it's a pleasure to be here, brother. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, you sound uh, you sound like a tight end savant so, aficionado yourself. So I appreciate it. Well, it's a very unique market. Like that, we we haven't had much going for us at wide receiver over the years in Baltimore, but we have <laughs> uh, been blessed with a lot of high end tight end play in our history. So that is a position. I, as much as I love tight end. After I read your foreword for this book, I realized there is no human being that could possibly love tight ends the way that you, sir, love tight ends. Can you tell me where this came from? Like, what what was it for you as you were covering football, as you were around the game, that gave you such a fascination about the tight end position? I think it's really rooted in real football and a love for the sport we grew up watching, we grew up playing. We all have that moment from, I don't know, even maybe it's back to Pop Warner High School where, you know, this is for me or it's not for me, right? Like, you get, you, you have a collision. Hell, maybe it's even a drill that's outlawed these days. Uh, the Bull in the Ring, Oklahoma drill, who knows? Maybe it's playing under the lights, that adrenaline rush you get with all your friends and your family in the stands. I don't know. I feel like the, the, the real football that we all kind of fell in love with is, I mean, look no further than last weekend, right? I mean, Chris Jones is just, um, falling on top of a quarterback and flagged for it. And Grady Jarrett basically does the same thing, and he gets flagged for it. It's, I, I just kind of get a little infuriated when the league is seeking this magical, utopian middle ground that frankly does not exist. Now, do we want DBs maiming receivers across the middle? Obviously not. Right. No, nobody wants the, the headhunting that we saw back in the day. Um, I, I guess I, I'm just of, of the, the, the class of people that believes there's an element of risk that comes with playing football. It's not like you're picking up a baseball bat, meeting your buddies out at the park, and that's okay, right? That's okay. If this is for people, and it's not for people, and the NFL is the absolute best of the very best uh, to take on this high-pressure, high-intensity, high-adrenaline rush environment, high-violence environment, and uh, I just I wanted to figure out where that is preserved, you know, what position, what player is keeping real football alive, and that's kind of what sent me all over the country to hang out with cool. the glorious NFL tight end. And by the way, I you know you you've sold me quickly. Like it didn't take me long into reading the book to sort of buy into the, what it is that you're selling. I'm like, you know what? You're right. There is something really magical about the the idea. The, these these are freaks. These aren't human beings. Like I remember the first time. I was ever around Vernon Davis, and I'm like, what is this? Like, what am I looking at in this person? What, who are you? Um, they are magical. You know, it was also kind of cool for me because the first two chapters I read were the John Mackey chapter and the Ozzie Newsome chapter, and, like, the real the realization just how truly different these guys were, but both playing at the same position and both doing things that we had never seen before at that position. Um, I, I want to go to John Mackey first, if I could, Tyler, because... It was interesting, man, and I and I ask this as a question, not a criticism. I hope you understand that. It, it, a lot of the John Mackey story for so many people is the part that you you know alluded to at the end of the chapter is where his life took him and what he had to deal with and how his amazing wife Sylvia had to take care of him and and the impact that that had on how football changed. It seemed like you wanted the chapter to be more about celebrating John Mackey the player and less about 
you know, what playing football caused him in the rest of his life. Not that you ignored it. It just seemed like you wanted to celebrate it more. Can you take me through how you kind of walk through those two things in looking at the life of John Mackey? Hey, I, I get it, right? I mean, this is this is a profession unlike any other. And it's you're, you're going to have both ends of that spectrum, sadly. It's, it's unbelievably depressing and sad what happened to John Mackey later in life. And, you know, he had a really great relationship with Jackie Smith. You know, mm-hmm. that's chapter three. And, you know, we all remember one play for Jackie Smith when he was, mm-hmm. he was so much more than that. But here's an 82-year-old popping out of a bar stool, and we're talking and, and reenacting the routes he ran to kind of revolutionize the position. He's, he's still on a Stairmaster. Um, he's still throwing on dumbbell. I mean, he's in his 80s. So, I, you can, and then John Mackey, obviously, in his, what, his 40s, his 50s, it starts to go south. So, I, you know, it, it is difficult for all of us to wrap our heads around, okay, how do we, not just this book, how do we watch football and celebrate uh, this violence and, and romanticize it and glorify it when it, it can lead to this? Mm-hmm. And John Mackey, sadly, is not alone. So, I, you know what, you can't. I, honestly, it's, I, I think my takeaway is I want the league to be honest about what it is. There is going to be an element of risk, but it's an unsafe profession. It's an unsafe sport. Unless you want it to be flag football or touch football, sadly, there's going to be injuries and there's going to be brain trauma. And thank God in 2022, we know what that can do to you later in life. That connection, that correlation is it's there. And anybody who denies it is kidding themselves. So today players can decide, okay, I want to take this profession on. I want to take this risk on. I know what the risks are. And John Mackey's era, sadly, you know, you, you didn't. And I, I can't speak for him. I, I don't know if he would do it all over again. I do know like a guy like Ben Coates, mm. you know, in the 90s with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, he only missed two games, and one was a high ankle sprain. One was because his mother died. He played through just insane pain. I mean, a, a shard of metal cut him in the, his head from his helmet. Um, it was one thing after another. He could hardly move around his house. Um, he's in some severe pain today. He doesn't really drive, or at least when we hung out, he wasn't. He's adamant that he would do it all over again. That the, the sport and the good that it brings and the camaraderie that, that he developed with lifelong friends, even then, he would not change a thing. And guess what? That's Ben Coates' choice, and he, wanted, he wants to make it. Players today can kind of choose, okay, the potential for brain trauma and lifelong pain into my 40s and 50s, it, it's there. Is it for me or is it not for me? They can make that choice. And I guess what gets me more mad than anything is, is the NFL kind of, you know, teeing up some propaganda in our face sure. and trying to sell this as a safe game when it's not. It's not. I'm not saying it's a safe game because it absolutely is not. Right. No, there's no question. And, and by the way, and, and, and I hope you understand, I wasn't trying to criticize uh, the chapter. I That's think, a great I, question. I, 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 I wrap my head around that every day. <laughs> it's very di- it's very difficult, right? Because I, I, you want to celebrate yeah. the greatness of John Mackey. And, and, and the, uh, the anecdotes from Bill Curry are wonderful um, about John Mackey. It's just it's very difficult because almost more than anyone in football history, he was a walking example of exactly what was going on. Uh, Tyler Dunn is with us. The book is The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. Um, then I, I get to the Ozzie Newsome chapter, and, and I have to, you know, this is absolute, this is, I'm going to heap a ton of praise. The line that you drew between Ozzie Newsome, the football player, the, the calming chaos, to Ozzie Newsome, the general manager, 
is is incredible. Um, that there's this unbelievable parallel from what he brought to the table as a football player and the impact of Bear Bryant on his life to what he took to leading this organization, um, turning it into a you know a two-time Super Bowl champion organization and a model organization in pro sports from you know basically nothing when the organization started. Um, it 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 really is a truly incredible story of someone who is at the absolute highest of the highs, both as a player and executive. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it, I, it probably starts with how he was discovered when, you know, today you see all sorts of wide receivers getting transitioned to the tight end position because, you know, they got this receiving ability. Hey, add 20, 30, 40 pounds, make you a tight end. It's, it's commonplace now. I mean, Dallas Clark's talking about, you know, pounding protein shakes and, you know, George Kittle did the same thing. It's, it's, it's basically just a rite of passage at this point. Uh, back then, it was odd. It was strange. Sam Rutigliano was just, you know, crucified for choosing Ozzie Newsome to be a tight end. It, right. it was it was different for that era. And you know, he he sent Rich Kotite, his receivers coach, you know, out to uh, out to Ozzie just to just to look at his back end. Hey, how's that derriere? Is that is that large enough to grow into a tight end? Uh, Rich Kotite said yes. They draft him. They bring him in. They put on a little weight. And look, he's not a road grading tight end but all of that receiving ability unleashed down the field and and really i mean just literally not dropping a pass after that one that we start the chapter with he caught everything his ability to look the ball in just speaks to his life experiences and and being so calm in the middle of chaos absolutely relates to his life as a gm and you know everybody wants art modell dead at least in cleveland and they've got nothing in the roster's gutted their personnel staff is stripped they're working out of a police barrack they're Mm -hmm. lining up VHS tapes around the border and, and, uh, you know, what uh, Modell and Ted Marchabrota, I mean, I'm sure your listeners know, right? They want Lawrence Phillips. They want the big splash. Yep. And Ozzy is that calming presence to take the deep breath and say, Hey, you know, these scouts that put in all this work, Jonathan Ogden at the, is at the top of our board. We're taking Jonathan Ogden and they take Ray Lewis. And then the rest is, is history. I mean, that's how he operated as a GM taking in everybody's opinion. Right. I mean, it's so collaborative and, uh, and yeah, he made that final decision, but it, it really was the gold standard quickly for how a front office should be run. And I'll tell you, I, I talked to people around the NFL and ask, all right, you know, there's a lot of bad GMs and a lot of bad scouts. We, we hear how things can go sideways. Who does it right? And the Baltimore Ravens come up again and again and again. I just wish they were better at finding wide receivers, <laughs> Tyler. I just <laughs> wish that were the case. We are, I, I, believe it or not, it's been a big, it's been a tough topic for us this week. Um, Tyler Dunn, the the future of the tight end position, right? Because we we go from these players, and now in in more modern times, and you get into you know the Rob Gronkowski's, the Travis Kelseys here in Baltimore, the Mark Andrews of the world, and how the tight end position has evolved. Do, do we see like do we start to feel as though there's more of an emphasis for finding the unicorn for finding the freak or do we acknowledge like there's only so many of these people that can possibly exist i thought one of the, you know the, the great anecdote about Ozzy Newsome and like we we got to figure out exactly what the size of his butt is um in order to make this work and <laughs> and by the way you know what's really funny about that Tyler is how many times over the years i had Ozzy Newsome reference the size of a player's butt to me and that's not i'm a straight straight shoot i swear to god it was so funny reading about that because like i remember talking to ozzy newsome about michael orr for example and one of the first things he brought up was the size of his butt and i was just like so funny man he would know Uh, right right 100 it was a great anecdote dude 
Um, but yeah, like, what do you do? You feel like there is this this greater emphasis and attempt to find these guys, or is it just you have to accept there's oh, these these people are not normal? There's only so many of them that can come along. I, I think that teams, if you don't have an athletic tight end, maybe it's not this superhuman Kelsey like Kyle Pitts like you know freak show. But if you if you don't have some version of this athletic tight end you better be looking for one. And if you're not looking for one, you're probably going to get fired. I mean, that's why Tony Gonzalez is such a a pivot point in this book. I I think that'd probably be like the climax of the book if you're reading it from start to finish. Because, you know, he put up these ridiculous numbers and is is changing the position and evolving it, even though that Kansas City greatest show on turf offense that Vermeil brought over, that wasn't tight end friendly. I mean, that was all about the receivers. Trent Green told him day one, hey, you're not going to get the ball like you did early in your career. And then he goes to Atlanta and has an epic showdown with Mike Malarkey. I mean, it was an arranged marriage that was doomed from the start. They almost went to blows. They couldn't stand each other. It was, you know, Gonzalez is wondering, why did Atlanta trade for me? And Malarkey's wondering, why did we go after this guy? It's not what I wanted. He was the old school grunter. Um, but for Tony Gonzalez to just force the NFL's hand to evolve and seek the athletic tight end, that, that's what led to Antonio Gates. We led to Jimmy Graham and everything we see today. So I don't. I feel like teams are chasing that unicorn, and and maybe they'll they'll hit it once in a while. But the harder tight end I think to find is is what you have in Baltimore. A Mark Andrews is it's a George Kittle. It's somebody who has some blocking experience, or at least develops into a pretty good blocker, and, and can catch the ball and make plays downfield because uh, they're just not asked to do it in high school. They're not asked to do it right, in college. Right. I mean, these scouts. Um, you know, Mark Bruner is in the book as an old school, I tell you that he's a scout for the Steelers. Now he says, we, they're just not asked to do it. It's hard. You almost look for the willingness to block. And if you can find that willingness, like they did with Pat Fryermuth, like the Ravens did with Mark Andrews, you can develop it and, and turn it into a heck of a block. Uh, it's, it's a very good point, man. And look, we've been very fortunate to have a Mark Andrews type in Baltimore because I don't know where we would be without <laughs> there being a Mark Andrews yeah. here. Um, a lot of other local, you know, you, you mentioned Ben Coates, who of course, uh, won a Super Bowl actually in Baltimore and um, some other yeah. Dallas Clark. I know had a, a, a cup of coffee in Baltimore. I'll even give away uh, because I read a little bit of the Jimmy Graham chapter. There's a reference to former Ma- Maryland basketball player Gravis Vasquez coming within this book. <laughs> A lot of local connections within this book, The Blood and Guts, which is available right now. Um, Tyler Dunn, can I get a plug in? I know you you left like traditional reporting a few years back, right? And like you've you've done your own thing the last few years, correct? Yeah, you got it, man. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I decided to to break off, um, you know, and, and just start my own site. It's golongtd.com, and uh, Basically, when you read Blood and Guts, that, that's kind of what I do at my day job. I just write features, profiles, deep dives on teams, try to you know, lift up that curtain and see how this league uh, really works. So it's like part of the Substack platform, uh, but golongt.com is the site. And you can sign up. If you, if you like what you read on the free list, you can always upgrade to a paid subscription. Dude, uh, really, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm truly enjoying this book. You have sold me on a subject and I was always interested in tight ends, but you have sold me this concept of, you know, tight ends are like the last bastion of football. Um, I'm, I'm really, I've, I, you, I'm buying it, man. I'm all on board. I really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Congratulations. And we'll make sure we get a link up to uh, uh, Amazon for everybody to go pick up the blood and guts. Thank you for doing this, man. Hey, no, th- thank you, man. Love the conversation. And, and a huge thank you to everybody out there for, Uh, giving it a read, giving it a purchase. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tyler.
Tyler Dunn uh, joining us here on GCR. Again, the book is The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football. And we will uh, put a link up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, for you to go find it on Amazon. It's it's actually a really great read. Like, it's a really great read. And I'm telling you, I like we've always, of course, you know, had an affinity for tight ends in Baltimore because there have always been really good tight ends in Baltimore. But, like, I, I'm going to go a step beyond that, which is I... I the way that he thinks, like the 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 thesis that he presents about what makes tight ends so great is something that I had never considered before. Right? Like I'd never considered this is the this is the place where as football has evolved, there is still this sort of beautiful, violent guy that has to do everything within the sport, which is a tight end. And I'd never really thought about that before. And the celebration of that is pretty cool. Enjoy the book. Really, that's a that's a that's not a had a guy on, so put it over. No, this is a, I'm I'm reading this, and my intent was to read a very minimal amount, just enough that I could get through a conversation, and I found myself reading far more than that um, in this book. Really, truly enjoyed it. All right, hour number one of today's show is winding down. It has been brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. If you're headed to the game on Sunday, you can see the Ginsu Kamado Grill in action at the Game Day Firehouse, the Firefighters Union Hall, just west of the stadium, 1202 Ridgely Street. Stop by before the game, get a sample of the cooking from the Ginsu Kamado Grill. And while you're there, you can enter to win your own Ginsu Kamado Ceramic Grill and $500 worth of grilling meats. We're going to pick a winner here at the end of October. The all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill for searing, grilling, baking, and smoking all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today. Ginsugrills.com. Use the code tailgate to get $100 off your order. Uh, Brendan Iambadejo is going to join us in a few minutes. Um, and also Ray Rice still to come on this show as we're going to start uh, kind of checking in with guys ahead of the Ravens' 10th anniversary celebration of the Super Bowl 47 team this weekend. That is on the way. Uh, we got Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter as well as Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. So uh, get in. Uh, any response at all, even bad responses, even responses that have nothing to do with the premise, any response at all is registered to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. I would prefer that we you know, get good responses, but Griffin's all like, no, participation trophies. Like, you know, I don't even know what generation you are. I don't even know what, are you Gen uh, Z? I am, yeah. Okay. Gen Z. All right. Yes. Gen I don't Z. even know, are we past Gen Z? What is, what is the new generation um, called? There's no know. letter after I Z. I don't know. What is the next, Probably, what, what are my like, kids? Maybe it's like, that's a good question. Probably maybe like X, Y or something. That sounds terrible. <laughs> that's a, that's, we're just not trying any longer. All right. Uh, a lot to do as we move into hour number two of Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5544. 
two. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show too. Uh, Ryan wanted to know when the trade de- – he said, uh, Glenn, I hear your argument about teams not wanting trade guys yet, but when is the trade deadline? Are you worried that teams are never going to be in a position to know they're out of it and that the Ravens are going to be left holding their yeah, – yes, that part of themselves in their hand? Um, the trade deadline's November 1st, so let me do the math on this. This week was – that's two weeks from now. So we're talking about uh, after week eight. So, for example, if you're in love with Curtis Samuel, I know, I I just don't know when teams' bye weeks are, right? So, I don't know, like, it's easy for me to say, well, Washington could lose two more games. They could be sitting there at two and six, and and maybe the organization at that point, as disastrous as they are, realizes, hey, the best thing for us to do now is to try to move on from Curtis Samuel or get anything we can get, try to get some draft picks and, and set things up for whoever the next coach is going to be, Ron Rivera's desires be damned. But I also don't know, believe it or not, I don't study the commander's schedule. I know that's going to be very surprising to you guys that I don't have it memorized. So they do have two games. So they do have two games between now and then. They play the Packers this Sunday, and then they are at the Colts next week. Which I would typically say it's an easy two losses, but Jesus Christ, who knows with the Packers, man. (laughs) They're a mess. So 
you know, if they were to fall to two and six, then yeah, perhaps it's a little bit easier for them at that point to say, hey, we got to we got to think about this. We we can't assume they win one of those games. You know, they're three and five. I don't think they trade anything away. It's it's not like it's so absurd. Even if the rest of us, like all, from the outside, it's easy for all of us to say, dude, the, the commanders aren't doing anything. But internally, for them to just wave the white flag, if somehow they were to win one of these two games, let's just say, you know, the Packers are such a mess. The commanders beat the Packers. The, the Taylor Heineke revolution. They're sitting at three and five. That is part of the problem with the trade deadline in the NFL. It's not quite as deep into the season as baseball's trade that trade deadline is. You're not even at the halfway point of the season technically, because if you played eight games in a seventeen game season, not quite. Close, but not quite. So it does. It makes it more difficult for teams to know with certainty that they're out of it and that it's okay to move on from pieces. So yeah, it's part of the problem with, you know, trying to solve this at the deadline. Is there's only so much that can be available. All right, the Ravens this Sunday, they take on the Browns. They're going to be celebrating the 10th anniversary with a reunion event honoring the Super Bowl 47 championship team. Um, I've got a lot of favorites, a lot of guys that I really got to know well from that group. Um, this guy very much at the top of that list. Uh, we got to spend a season together uh, doing shows over at High Tops. He is truly one of my favorites. I've told him before that his view of life has impacted me significantly in my life and the things that I say. It is always a pleasure for me to catch up with the great Brendan Ian Badejo, who's back with us now here on GCR. B.A., it's Glenn. It's always so great to catch up with you, buddy. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us, man. B.A., I apologize. we got to get that. And a little bit of that's a technology issue on our end. We'll get it fixed, and then we'll go right back to B.A. because that's – these things happen sometimes. That's the way that it goes. Try that one more time. All right, Brendan, can you hear me okay now? Yep, loud and clear. All right, we, we, we are still sort of – I'm so sorry. Oh, ooh, hello. <laughs> hello, maybe we hit mute first. Griffin, we'll try one more time. I'm so very sorry. This is embarrassing. Brendan, I'm sorry. I promise I'm more professional than this. I think you know that. Yeah, it's all good. Hey, There's buddy. technical difficulties. Yeah, right. Hey, man, uh, great to chat with you. Are you going to be able to make it in? Are you coming home? Yeah, I'm going to be I'm gonna be there um, on Friday. Awesome, man. I, I love everything about this. All right, so take me back, right? Take me back to, of course, you and I had done the show together the season before. Um, we all remember how that ended in Foxborough. Did you, like, was your gut going into 2012, Dude, we're winning the Super Bowl. Like, we we proved everything we needed to prove. Now we just have to go do it. Like, did you internally believe going into that season you were going to win the Super Bowl that year? Yeah, I mean, we did in 2011, but in 2012, it's like, go ahead and mark the calendar. We'll be back here in exactly a year. That was the conversation we had in the locker room, and that's exactly what we did. So um, I think, you know, when you're on a football team and you go through all the things that you go through with your teammates and the coaches and the staff from a football program or a club, um, you honestly, you believe you're going to win every game. And I know there's teams that go 0 and 16. They believe that they're going to win every game, at least if the coach is doing the right thing to, to get their heads right before the games. And um, going into every season with the Baltimore Ravens, we thought we were going to win every Super Bowl that year. Of course, we made it to three AFC championship games, but um 
yeah, we always believed. And Coach Harbaugh always had us right. And, of course, you got Ed Reed and you got Ray Lou and, and, and the, the characters that you had on that team. It's just there was no other way but to go out with the championship. B.A., there, were, there was adversity, obviously, that season. There was a lot of, you know, the, the stretch at the end of the year. Um, I think the Houston game and, you know, maybe some of the backlash you guys, the conversations you had with John Harbaugh afterwards when he wanted to push in practice and, you guys didn't think that was right. How, how did that team hold up through all of those things that you faced during the course of that season? I mean, really, when you look at great families and you look at dynasties, um, it's never going to be, you know, er- everything's not going to always be rosy and perfect. And that, that, that's why that particular team was so good because we're willing to address those imperfections head on. And we're willing to have those hard, hard conversations that it took to be great. And, and there's different points of view, you know, what was the coach's point of view? What was the player's point of view? And collectively, how do we do this together? Um, so you just, you have to love that um, while things could be tumultuous, they were never fractured while things could be tough. They were never broken. So I think that's kind of the epitome of, of that team. And, you know, it, it was also one of those teams where you had guys in the locker room um, that had seasons on seasons on seasons. So, mm-hmm. you know, with Ray Lewis and um, with myself and then even on the offensive side and the offensive line, you had just decades of experience. So it's not like it was a young team that was like, coach, you know, you need to hold, you know, like, let's, let's do less. No, it's, it, I thought we, we thought together, it's like, oh, maybe we could do a little less and we'll get more benefit out of it. But at the end of the day, it just it, it also was trust, and um, we ultimately trusted each other, and we got the job done. But um, we're willing to have those hard conversations. We're a less mature team; they're not really in a position. They don't really have the leadership um, to go through those tough conversations. They they might just bury the hatchet, and then it might rear its head at a later juncture, and then you're fractured instead of galvanized. So I want to go back if I could, because I feel like the statute of limitations, it's been 10 years, right? I, I remember how dramatically the Houston thing was reported. The, the word that was used was mutiny, right? Like, which is a, a really dramatic word, B.A. Um, what was it, was it as dramatic as it was made out to be publicly, or did you guys kind of chuckle when you heard about it? Because it was like, nah, dude, like, he wanted us to go hit, and we just sort of said, hey, bro, probably not the day. Like, what did it actually look like after the Houston game? You know, honestly, like, I don't remember the week. I don't remember, you know, particularly Houston. Like, things I remember is, like, Ray Rice, fourth and 26. You know, that's what I remember. <laughs> um, I remember in the locker room after the Patriot game, um, when when we lost in, it was 2012, but it was a 2011 season. Like, I remember, you know, like, we were going to come back that next season with piss and vinegar. So, I think the main thing in that locker room that I remember is that there was just a lot of things going on in the world. There was, you know, a a lot of guys knew it was their last season that Mm -hmm. they were going to play. And this was to really be together and to take advantage of this opportunity of an amazing football team. Um, And then there were some rules and regulations that were put in the NFL at the time where you could go on IR and then you can come back and those guys added to the practice squad. So there was a lot of things that went in our favor. And I'd mentioned trust earlier in, in our conversation, and um, it was just about trust. Like, the players wanted to be trusted, the coaching staff wanted to be trusted, that we all had each other's best interest in hand. And so whether that's conversations, whether that's the way that we practice, or whether that's the way that we took care of people inside the facility that didn't even have anything to do with being on the football field on Sunday, these were conversations that we had. So 
Um, and we had those conversations and ultimately you saw the final product at the end. We were the last team standing. So there's not any, there's not any one particular thing I remember about a particular practice or a particular day. Um, but it was just kind of the whole collective of everything that season where we did some things that I had never done before, you know, in a locker room. And it was all based around conversations and trust and how do we build this team to win on February 3rd, 2013, um, and those were all the things that happened in training camp, or I guess the Tex- the Houston Texans game. Um, some of the little individual things I don't remember, but we're building for something bigger, and we're willing to go the long, hard route to get there um, versus settling. Brendan Iambadejo is with us here on GCR. Ravens celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Super Bowl forty-seven title team this Sunday against the Browns. B.A., you mentioned things that were going on in the world then, and I've I've referenced this. Whenever people talk about distractions over the years, and I definitely remember bringing it up in when the insanity of the Colin Kaepernick conversation was going on. I, like, I remember you and Matt Burke, and you two had very differing opinions about some serious world issues, and, and I definitely, you know, kind of sided with you on those particular issues, but it was always fascinating to me because you guys seemed to still be very capable not only of getting along, but even being friendly. Like, I remember you, you trying to organize a debate uh, with him that you wanted to do about uh, marriage equality at one point. I, I, when people talk about distractions in locker rooms and that sort of stuff, do you laugh at that, like knowing the things that you guys dealt with and saying, look, we're men, we're plenty capable of understanding that not everybody is going to be the exact same and still working together if, towards a common goal? Yeah, I think, you know, I reflect back on that and, um, you know, everything we went through through the pandemic and our country being, you know, so torn apart about certain social justice issues that continue to rear their head. Right. Um, And the NFL played a a big part in that with Colin Kaepernick and whatnot. Um, And and it's like, how do we galvanize? You know, we could see things differently. But at the end of the day, you know, you look at Matt Burke and you look at the way that the Ravens team was designed, like every Saturday morning, we'd bring our kids to practice. And Mm -hmm. I, I was never on a to bring your kids to practice and the families would all be together and the kids would, would be together. And, you know, why did coach Harbaugh do that? So the families could be stronger, but so the wives could have some time off on a, on a Saturday so they could sleep in and whatnot. So um, we'd have these conversations and the distractions are always going to be out there and they're going to be talked about in the locker room and especially the things out in society and whatnot, they're going to be talked about in, in the locker room, regardless if you want them to be talked about or not. So, you know, how do you build a positive environment where it's a safe environment where you can have these conversations and so you can continue to love each other even though you you um, have different points of views and opinions and we won a Super Bowl doing that, whereas, you know, we see what's going on in society and it, it has cancel culture and, you know, it's not about, you know, how do we get closer together even though we're different. Hmm. Um, it's like, oh, you're canceled or, oh, I can't talk to this person or, oh, you voted for that person. And I think early on and in, in back in 2012, we found a way to see things differently, but to still love each other, even though we had difference of opinions. And at the end of the day, my kids are going to be with your kids eating breakfast at the table at work. And uh, we're still going to show up and we're going to line up next to each other. We're going to know our jobs so well and trust each other so much that we're going to be better than the opponent on the other side that maybe doesn't know each other just as well. So we use that as, as ammunition and found it um, as fuel to to galvanize and to be tighter and to trust more and to talk more and it ended up being such an emotional team together um i often say that that raven team wasn't the most talented football team that i played on but it was the team that was the most mature that trusted each other 
that worked together and found a way for the uh, some of the parts to be greater than the whole. So it ended up being the uh, the best team, even though it wasn't the most talented team that I played. That's on. really powerful, man. That's a really powerful way of explaining that to me. Um, I, I love that. Um, you know, there's not a lot left in Baltimore from that team. A couple guys have come back over the years, but the one guy that's that stayed the entire time was a rookie. Um, did you know then, like, and again, you of course were very involved in special teams on top of what you did at linebacker. Did did you have any clue of what Justin Tucker was going to turn out to be at that point? Well, I think the the, the most the thing that I can remember the most is he he unseated a veteran, a very good kicker um, that was before him, and that kicker unseated a legend that was before him. So Justin Tucker comes in, and we're in training camp, and you know they're kicking against each other, and. Um, the veteran kickers, everything's pristine, everything's quiet, down set, cut, and we snap the ball. It's a clean kick. The kick either goes in or goes out. Now you got a rookie kicker coming in. Um, the defense gets around them. Other players get around them. We're squirting water on them. We're yelling at them. We're throwing Gatorade <laughs> at them. We're throwing tape at them. He kicks, the ball goes in every single time. And I was Justin Tucker. So when I saw what he was up against, he wasn't just up against the other kicker. He was up against the whole football team. And he went and won that position in, in training camp. And I knew there was something special about him. I didn't know that he was going to go on to be the greatest kicker of all time. You know, prior to him, you know, you think about Matt Stober, but I had Robbie Gold in Chicago. Sure. who's also a pretty damn sure. kicker kicking in the elements, right? So I was with Robbie his rookie year as well. So, like, you know, I'm over here, I'm you know, I'm comparing apples to apples and I thought that Justin was even more talented than Robbie. There's more things he could do. He was more of a football player, and Robbie's damn good. I don't want to take anything away from Robbie. So I knew that there was something special. And then this guy starts singing opera in the locker, in the showers. <laughs> you know, you're getting this awesome reverberation of sound and amphitheater and all these, you know, the, the, the noises are so amplified, and, and it's freaking Justin. So I knew there was something special about him. Obviously, you don't know when you're going to be with the greatest of all time um in in their particular position and you know sometimes you can you know like a ray lou or even a ed reed and i would say that justin's right up there with him and you got jonathan Ogden. so some of the greatest of all time the ravens were able to find those players and put them in position and now you see what they are yeah we've been blessed we have been blessed here um ba before i let you go how is your your perspective your appreciation for that team changed in 10 years like what what now do you think about that maybe in the moment you couldn't? I can only imagine, you know, I remember talking to you on the field after the Super Bowl. I know what the moment meant to you. But how has your yeah. perspective of it or your appreciation for it changed over a decade now removed from winning that Super Bowl? Man, well, I just think about the hours of paying attention to all the details, all the little things. That, we, that I see are missing across the board on the NFL, of course, even on the Ravens, um, but just across the board. Um, and you don't necessarily, you can get, you can only go so far with coaching, but um, the extra meetings with Ed, extra meetings with Ray, um, the offensive line going with Matt and taking the extra time, um, or even um, Bolden taking the receivers and spending the extra time. Um, Coach Rossberg getting the special teams units together and taking the extra time to do things, um, whether it's kick, kicking, coverage, and then um, even with the specialists, with the snappers and the punters. And just we had so many amazing guys um, 
and every part of the of every part of the football team. Um, so now when I watch football teams, and you know, I'm just watching games as a fan, and you know, I'm playing fantasy football, so I'm watching games all day Sunday, and I can see just the little things are missing for so many of those football teams, um, and it comes from it damn near comes from Hall of Fame players. It's not even the coaching, it's the culture that you see is missing when you see the product on the field on Sunday. So mm. I can appreciate that a lot more. And, um, you know, we sacrifice extra time, you know, extra time to be at the facility or extra time to get together at each other's homes. And, you know, that takes away from the families and takes away from um, some of your extracurricular time. But if you want to be great, then that's what you have to do. So um, now I, I see that missing in the game, and I can appreciate it so much more that we took the extra time. And now I get to go to Baltimore on Friday awesome. and celebrate for the 10-year anniversary of being a Super Bowl champion. Awesome, man. Uh, B.A., you know I love you. Truly appreciate uh, you not only as a football player, but the impact you had on me as a broadcaster and as a man and as I become a father myself and the things that I want to do for my kids. Can't wait to see you this weekend, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. I always appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait to be back with everybody in uh, Baltimore this week, and let's go get a win against these Browns on Sunday. Love that, man. B.A., Brendan Imbadejo, appreciate him taking the time for us. The Ravens will celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Super Bowl Forty-Seven this weekend. Uh, and from, from a Super Bowl champion to a guy that, um, well, I'm uh, he won something at some point at Glen Burning, I'm guessing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, now an MIAA champion, right? We you got that very similar. Through Forrester for some reason to stop by and wander in. Where's what my mean, headset? What's, what's going on with my headset? With? It's not working. Is, is it really? It's fix not it. working. Fix my headset. I don't know the reason. My headset works fine. So Come I don't on know. Come there, Gavin. You. Fix it. <laughs> is it? Is um, it? Honest guy. Is your headset not working? No, it's not working. Okay, grab the other headset then. They grab the one over here. Grab this one. See if that one works, and we'll figure out. Man, you guys what's are already going on. bottom of the barrel, huh? You guys aren't even talking about the team anymore. They're three and three. You guys have given up on talking wait, wait, about the team. To, you, you want me to keep beating up the fact they don't have any wide receivers? Do you think we, you really want to spend well, more time talking their, about the Sean Jackson? That's not their only problem. It's but, definitely not their only problem, but it stands out pretty significantly. They signed Deshaun Jackson. What do you want me to say? They could be. I mean, everybody does this, right? They could be six and zero. Oh, blah blah blah. They they could be. Better than three and three without any of these wide receivers. If Pat Ricard lines up in the right spot the other day, yeah. now they got a seventy percent chance of winning. If Lamar doesn't get the ball knocked out of his hands, they got a seventy nine percent chance of winning. If Andrews catches that ball in the end zone, they got an eighty eight percent chance of winning. I mean, they're, they're, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not arguing any of those things. They still signed Deshaun Jackson. Well, the, who else is there to sign? But that's the the, the point. Boy, no, no God, who else is there get, to sign? I'm not really defending it. them, but you. You want them to sign a wide receiver. So, who else is there to sign? Well, it, it, that's Again, there's two different things. This is what I talked about at the beginning of the show. The Deshaun Jackson thing alone is a nothing. Like, it's nothing. He'll be okay. You, you, you He'll run around and catch some balls. He probably, he probably won't be okay, but... He'll again, be as good as Sammy Watkins right, was. And, which is nothing. That's the, the bar is very low. You say oh, nothing oh. as if you could go catch a touchdown pass. Uh, well, wait a second. Yeah, right. <laughs> He'll be okay. What are the circumstances? He's not going to make... He's not going to... He's, he's not, not going to be terrible. He, I don't think there's and there's He's no, not going to be terrible. There's no reason to believe he's going to be helpful. He'll be But who there. else are they going to get? This is what you're talking about is what I said at the start of the show. Deshaun Jackson alone irrelevant, right? Deshaun Jackson alone is a nothing. You couldn't even name the By the way, it took Drew all of 3 seconds to be bored by what it was that I was saying and start reading No, it's right in front of me. Last print issue. It's right in front of me. Oh, it's the last one. Well, no, this was the, the there's a new one oh, that oh, came oh. out. You mean the most recent one? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
I thought I'd, <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. I stumbled <laughs> on the breaking <laughs> news. Yeah. Right, you're here for the funeral. It's breaking news. Um, th- that's that alone is not. We're, we're overreacting to it because of the secondary thing. Okay. The secondary thing is, holy f, we're doing this again, again. We're, we're doing Mike Wallace again, Sammy again. Watkins again, Des Bryant, Des Bryant again. Right. This is what they're doing again. By the way, did you? I think I've asked you this before. Have you seen? Do you have Amazon Prime? I do. Have you seen any of the all or nothings from no, the NFL? No, the Cardinals one or the yeah. the Cardinals one was the best. Yeah, one. I never watched those. The Cardinals one was here are the ones that have been out: Cardinals, Cowboys. <laughs> no, wait a minute. It's about Des Bryant. Right. Cardinals, Cowboys, Panthers, Eagles, Rams, which is the one where Jeff Fisher got fired. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Um. I thought the Cardinals one was the best one because that was the one where they they kind of had it on ice and then they collapsed at the end of the year. The Cowboys one, the most telling thing you took from that one out of the 15 weeks they did it, Des Bryant was insane. Okay. Des Bryant was nuts. Okay. You talk about, like, when you look up wide receiver yeah. diva, Okay, his picture is there with right. his shirt off. And T.O. is in the background. Right. Des <laughs> like Bryant, marveling at it. Yeah, Des Bryant was so much not a Raven. That's what really, I, it, it shocked me. When I watched it, I'm like, I had no idea Des Bryant was this much off of his rocker. Okay. And the Ravens t- taking him was really showed me something. Like, you were that bottom of the barrel that yeah, you, you took that freaking Des Bryant? Okay. Well, he was nuts. No, I mean, the answer is yes. They're that desperate. And this is the part that's, again, the frustration part of it. They're going to win this week 38-10, to 10, so who cares? Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't have much <laughs> confidence a, in anything. So that's anymore. about what I thought they'd win by yeah, last correct. week. So, so my, it's a twofold problem to me. One, it's the totality of this is always what. What is the disconnect? You and I used to try. To, I write about. I wrote about we, it this we, morning. I'm like, what? if you think this is, if you're just whining about Eric DaCosta, and mm-hmm. if that's what you're doing, okay. If you're just whining that this is John Harbaugh, okay. If you're just whining it's Greg Roman, okay. Nobody in the organization's ever been able to pick a wide receiver or sign one. There have been. We we did. We tried to do the. They've had four good ones. They've three of them. They stole from other teams and one they drafted. So in their history, literally, they've had three seasons where they've had a qualified wide receiver duo on the field together. In 2012, they had Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden together. In 2014, they had Torrey Smith and Steve Smith together. In 1996, they had – that's unfair because Derek Mason Derek, and Anquan they, they, Bolden were together. Mason for, and Bolden, and they had yeah. Derek Anderson and um, – and, and Michael I'm Jackson. I'm not Derek Anderson. Derek um, Alexander Derek and Michael Alexander Jackson at the beginning of their career. Who at but that point yes, were outstanding. Now, you can make the argument, right. and I'm not – we're just nitpicking. I'm not debating it because Steve Smith still had some quality. But Steve right. Smith was in the no, November he was of, his career. The of his career. Right. But again, in comparison was, to right. the other things they've done, right. th- that guy was was very high on the I list. I wrote that this morning. With all due respect like, to Torrey Smith, right. who who had a very good NFL career, made a lot of money. Right. He's the best player they ever picked at that By position. By far. And he was just okay. Uh, a little bit more uh, than okay. As, but as a I college right. player, as a college receiver, he was okay. Okay, sure. Right. That's he, fine. He I have no problem with that. And he was a decent NFL wide receiver. He was no a decent question. to good NFL wide receiver, but he wasn't an all-pro. No he question. wasn't a, a world beater. He was a He's player. He's the best guy we ever took. By far. I mean, Brandon Stokely is still number two, right. by the way. Right. We think Rashad Bateman's going to pass that, but, you know, he's got to get there. I, I can't. Point. It's, it is baffling. It would be one thing if we went – 
17 years where we were where we where we were great at it and then Eric took over right and it was a different or Greg Roman or, took over right. and Eric and Greg Roman couldn't get it right you'd be saying these two guys can't get it right no one's ever gotten it right it's insane it's unreal it's it, it's really unbelievable I made the comparison <laughs> to you date like I and you know you're happily married you've been happily married for some time but I'm going to guess that at some point in your life you dated someone and in the honeymoon phase you were like this She's perfect. She's everything. And all of your friends noticed one particular quirk about this girl. I pointed out it could be her laugh, right? Picks her nose or she, something. Something. Right, like, yeah. she, she just has an obnoxious <laughs> type right, of laugh, right, right? right? And you never notice it because you're in love. Or, or other things were able to... Right, correct. She was very... There were other things... <laughs> You just never thought about it. I'll go and ahead and deal with that. Right. You, well, you, you, I really do. You don't notice it for a little while right. because you're just not right. thinking about it. Right. But your friends are all talking about it. They're right. all like, dude, what is the deal right. with that girl's tooth her, or whatever her, it is? Her yeah. handicap right. must be really good. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. This is the Ravens with wide receiver. Like, the, It's been such a healthy relationship that this fan base has had with the football team. It has been fruitful. The Ravens have been very good for a very long time. They regularly win. Without any receivers. Correct. That's the most – I even wrote again. I wrote the, that today. I'm like, here's the funniest part. For all of you ragging on them about how awful they've been at, at receivers, right. they've still won. Correct. They've been a model franchise. Right. But yet this thing still exists. I and know. you get the points crazy. where you can't – you, you can't keep ignoring it, where you're like, oh, right, and then the laugh starts driving you crazy for a little while, and you're like, I, I, I'm not going to break up with her over it because, you know, she is... But I might as well. Yeah, right. no, like I mean, I'm not, at some point, I am. Right. Like, this, I can't I can't help it. It's driving me nuts. That's the comparison that I make okay, with the Ravens, the wide I mean, receivers. I, I, like, I'm not going to... Uh, I don't know where else they're going to go to get them right now. Well, the, the argument that people make is that why, why was it Deshaun Jackson and not trading for Robbie Anderson? That would be the argument someone would make at the moment. Why, why did you decide to go back to the bargain bin instead of... Because maybe they didn't want that guy. They might not have, but what do you have? But, but, but yeah, Okay, I hear you, but I'm like this, uh, we, I, I how would, many times are we I said would, we don't want this guy? I would defend them. They didn't want Malcolm Floyd once upon a time. I would defend them on not taking Robbie Anderson. I, 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 because I don't want that guy. What, because I he, don't want him. Because of what happened on Sunday. Yeah, because of everything. He's done this. He's never been. Um, bro, whatever, you're going to rule out all the mercurial wide receivers. Well, they, I don't know who you're going to be left therein, with. Right, therein lies the problem for sure. Anquan like, Bolden struck the fear of God into everybody in that yeah, building. I, I'll defend him on not taking Robbie Anderson. Okay, they, but they have to have somebody, Chief. They got somebody. Who? Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. And Derek Duvernay. And, you know. Derek Duvernay. Now, they're. Oh, Derek, Derek Duvernay. Derek Duvernay. There's a, um, <laughs> there's a rumor, and I don't, can't. I have no idea if this is true or not. But there's a rumor Chad Johnson's floating around. That's true. Somewhere. I don't think. I, don't I think. can't believe he hasn't surfaced. I mean, bro. <laughs> bro, you're rolling Look, it. Here's the thing. I, I think, and I. You just said something interesting about like the fan base turning on them. This is the close. Here's the craziest mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. I heard people on Monday, and he did not have obviously a great fourth quarter the other day for sure. I heard people the other day. It's the first time I ever heard people call in who were really, really pitchforked for Lamar. Oh, I had dude on the post game show on Sunday. I got I got bench Lamar for two games to let him get his head right. I got this is no, why I have to trade him at the end of the season. No I got all People of it. People are. And so when you just said that, it was interesting. Th this is the first time I can remember 
in in this era, which this era is the Lamar era, right? Since the middle of 2018. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I'm really sensing what you just said, that this fan base, if this thing went sideways this Sunday, if this this Sunday, yeah. if this thing doesn't work out this Sunday, this is a definitely a fan base that feels like and and hears like that it's on the verge of yeah, chaos. Of, 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 right, some sort of tumult, you know? Like I, I think we're, and obviously the head coach is the, the very forefront of it. Um, I wrote about this yesterday, I or Monday. Uh, no, yesterday. It was today, Wednesday. Yesterday. Yes. Um, I don't think John's going to be here next year. Okay. It's very dramatic. I don't think John's going to be here next year. It's very dramatic. <laughs> like you're I don't think John's going to be here next year. Because? I just think the circumstances are going to wind up playing it out, and I don't think he's going to be here. But there's, you're, you're, you're saying something very vague. Do you think he like walks away? You, like you're just sort of saying. I think it could be. I just think this could be one of those years where they wind up, and I don't know that the record has to mandate this, but they wind up eleven and six or ten and seven because they lose to the Falcons on Christmas Eve. Something crazy happens. They get in the first round of the playoffs. Lamar gets hurt. They still lose anyway, twenty to ten, because Lamar doesn't play the last three quarters. People say, well, they got four injuries at the end of the year, and Andrew sprained his knee, and Lamar didn't play, and we still lost, but we had an okay year, and John just goes, and and Steve says, I think we should just do something else. So I'm not saying he's going to be fired, and I'm not saying he's going to walk away, but I have a – John looks and sounds much different to me than he has before. I saw you say that the other day. I I think that – I think think you're – Monday was a – I Real think telltale you're ignoring sign. the number of these we've had over the years. I think there have been a. I don't know, there, man. I, I listen. And, I listen more, and watch them, and I like. I, I remember him after the Jacksonville Monday Night game, and he sounded very similar. Okay, but like, I think this is. And here's the thing, too. I, I'm not saying that it's because of like what the thing with Peters at the end of the game, because I still don't know that anyone really knows. I think we just. Well, I think I think when we found out that Peters was chasing him down on the third on the fourth down decision, like I think we got the answer. Okay, I, so I, I think we got the answer. So what happens is now they go into this game the other day, and they have three things that happen that really directly impact the the outcome, and the outcome was never in doubt mm-hmm. un, until third and one turned into third and six. Correct. And then he threw the ball away. Right. The outcome was never in doubt. Right. They were winning. Right. Right. Yep. So the whole thing falls apart. This mm-hmm. is, by the way, this is the worst of the three losses. And then even close. You can you can poo-poo the Miami thing yeah, away. They I mean, two great receivers. Yeah, but it's still tough but, to lose a twenty-one point lead. Fair enough. I mean, like that. But that but they have quality players that matched up with I, I three hear, guys. I that, hear you. And you can you can poo-poo the Buffalo thing away. I mean, what happened the other football. day I get that. is unexcusable, right? But here's what happens. You have three things that happen, one of which is the the illegal formation penalty, one of which is Lamar throwing the ball away and getting knocked out of his hand, and one of well, which and is... Well, and the snap, right? Like and it's, one, it's both oh, ends right, right, of right. Yeah. And one of which is Peters holding the guy in the end zone. Mm-hmm. I, it, as I see John stand up there and have to answer that, it really looks to me like he... He's at the end of his taking yeah. bullets rope. Yeah, I don't know. It, it came off more to me like he's 
it's it, what you just laid out is exactly why he's frustrated. But to think that it's different than what he's dealt with in other times, I don't, I don't know. Now his age is different. He's sixty, and and maybe at some point he just says, "I don't, I don't feel like doing it any longer." Like that's possible for sure. But I, I didn't see what you thought you saw. Okay. I saw. I, know I said that. I said people. people I could. saw the same thing after really inexplicable. Not not London, like the Monday night thing in Jacksonville, where they just couldn't do anything right. Where but they were fine the other day until there were six minutes to go in the game. And then, you know. Or four minutes left uh, in the game. Whatever it was, right. Yeah, I hear you. I hear well, that's you. Well, my, that's my call, and I'm making it, and I'm not changing it. All right. Well, I, don't I don't think John what, will be what, here. what do we get if you're wrong? I don't think When you say something like this, you have to I'll say something. I'll have another something. one of those spam and Oreo cookies. Yeah, because yeah, you're, you're desperate for another I just one. Don't, I just think, Would you eat $28? And, and, this is straight cheap. Would you eat $20 to $8 worth of Taco Bell for lunch? I don't. I've seen you guys doing that. Is that some sort of new gig? No, this was a some dude on Fox News last week was talking about in Inflation, and he's like, my lunch at Taco Bell yesterday cost twenty eight dollars. Can you eat that much Taco Bell? That's food? what we said. Well, Griffin did it on Monday. <laughs> he ate twenty eight dollars with a Taco uh, Bell. There's a lot of a lot of Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I guess I could, but I don't know if I can finish it. Oh, I it, it would not. Lot, it right? wouldn't work for you, boy. Well, yeah, if you boy, get a soda, that's three dollars because they overcharge. Yeah, they got a fro- he got a frozen drink in yeah, there. Yeah, that's six dollars. Frozen yeah. beverage. Was I part just of and look, everybody knows I'm a. I am in no way, shape, or form. Am I a John Harbaugh basher? I think he's been awesome. I I just feel like when I look at him and I hear him, I feel like he's at the end of his run. Okay. All right. I mean, look, man. That's I, the way I, he comes across to I, me. I certainly don't know. But he's not I a quitter. Just, I just don't. He's not a guy that's going to say, I'm giving up. He's not. And ultimately, it'll have to be Steve who says, "Hey, you're, well, you're going to give you're up." you're laying out a very specific scenario. Like if they go, yeah, yeah. if they I mean, win if they the next thirteen and four, that right, might change. Right. But I just, I feel like John's tired. Okay, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what to make of that. And okay, I'm, I can't. I, I almost can't follow up on it just because of that. I like m- maybe. I think he's maybe. expected way more you. from this group of guys. Okay, I mean, I think he's expected way more from this group. Uh, Okay, it's six games into the season, man. Like it's just so difficult for me to. But you know how this goes, right? You're, you, these games, all this is just like losing three games to the Tigers in May. Those games came back to haunt the Orioles. Well, I understand yeah, that. I mean, I, you, I can. These believe games are gonna. These games are important. Potentially, they could be very important. There's right. no question about that. But they're about as important as what happens after that is typically the way that it works, right? And if they go and they win Sunday and then they go win in Tampa, but I mean and now, Orleans, then now, right? When you look at their and this is off the top of my head, now this game this Sunday. We we think that's a W, right? It should be. Now we got to go to Tampa Bay four games four days later. Right. It it was always going to be a coin flip, so it still is a coin flip, right? Yeah. I mean, we could go down there and win. They could well, Tampa stinks. Yeah, I mean, right, like, right, right. They could terrible. go there and win, right? But but they could also go there and lose. Of course, the same they way could. they lost the other day. One hundred percent. Then they've got I don't even know New Orleans. Then they got then they're then they're at New Orleans. That's right. a coin flip. New Orleans can score a bunch of points. Mm-hmm. Then they've then they're going to beat Carolina a hundred to nothing. Then they've got. Steelers at some point they should beat them a hundred to nothing. I hear you. Yeah, I mean they, they, their schedule's pretty easy. Well, and the division's going nowhere. Like there's no reason to think that they're not going to be right. you know competing to win the division. It's everything is great. If Atlanta wears those uniforms they oh, wore the yeah, other that's day, true. It does make it very difficult. Dude, those they look really. Yeah, you know what? I normally beat you up about those things. They look really good. Those were they awesome. They looked really. They went really, back. Oh, here's a phone really good. I'm oh, sure. Queenstown. I got it. Okay. Are you playing golf? No, I, I need to. Okay, there's something going on. It's golf. It's more important. Yes, it's golf. Of course, of course, it's golf. That's actually fine because we need it. We're behind on breaks, so we need to get a break in here. That's that actually works out 
just splendidly. Drew Forrester is with us here in studio. We're going to play Would You Rather Wednesday here in a second. I, look, I was hoping that I was going to have it in my hands, but nobody seems to think they need to bring me a copy of the new print issue of Pressbox. I don't know what that's all about. I feel like I would be an important person to have one, but such is life. There's no way of getting around it. We do have a new print issue of Pressbox that is available today at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You can read it all at PressboxOnline.com. I don't know if you can see that, but that's what the cover looks like. Kevin Willard is on it. I have no idea if that's Yeah, it, uh, it exited out, too. But what? You could... Well, you had it like full screen. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, and anybody see. see that? It's Kevin Willard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the cover. Yeah. He's a new Maryland basketball coach. Uh, Stan the fan and I sat down with him for a lengthy conversation uh, for this month's cover, and I learned a lot of fascinating things about him. So I'd encourage you to go pick it up right now. The new print issue of Pressbox, which is available today, and you can always read it at PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back in, we'll play Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Still to come today, Ray Rice is going to join us. That's all on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 1st at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Harford Road. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. 
Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at PressBoxOnline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest. And I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. The best place to watch him bet on all the games is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. And as I told you, tonight, if you got no plans, you can hang out with George Murison in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel as he will be there hanging out during the first uh, Wizards game of the season. So it's a cool place to be to hang out, watch the game, meet the legend George Murison tonight. And don't, don't. We're talking about a sponsor. Don't. Whatever it is that you're about to do, don't. Okay. Don't. I, I, I won't. Like, I love you. I know. You I know, know better. I know you do. You know better. It wasn't Tonight, about the sponsor, but go ahead. I, I don't know what it was about, but let me do the read, and then you do yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. you want to do afterwards. No, go, it's go, fine. Go. Let me do it's the all, read. It's all good. FanDuel Sportsbook, live casino in Hotel Maryland. Tonight, you can reserve your spot by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Okay, now what was it? It was it was about George Mears. Of course. So. <laughs> of course. Of course. It's all good. Of course. It's all good. That ball, by the way, Schwerber hit just landed. Yeah, correct. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy F. Holy <laughs> F. <laughs> Um, I, who do you think is going to win? I mean, I don't. I just. I don't think anybody has a chance of beating the Astros. I think we're all we're doing this for the, for our for our for the funsies of it. But I don't think any of them can beat I the Astros. I feel like. I, I mean, I feel like the Philly Phillies have got something going, right? And as much as everybody's always been all over Harper, like, you know, this is this is why they got him. Mm-hmm. This is why they got him, right? They thought if we get this kid. We'll go to a couple World Series with him. I mean, this is why they got him. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like Philly's going to win that series, and I, I don't see how the Yankees are built to beat Houston. I don't see how anyone is and, built uh, to beat unless, Houston unless. And here's the only thing: and they did nick him uh, in the fir- in the other series, unless they can somehow get to Verlander because you know he's going to pitch twice. Mm-hmm. And in their mind, in Houston's mind, that they're already up two nothing. Right. In their mind. Right. Now, if the Yankees can turn that on him, if the Yankees could beat him twice, now yeah, it might be a different story. I, I would feel like he there was more. He got by He did. Seattle. He did. But their, Seattle? their yeah. bullpen is so insane that I just don't know that it even matters. I get it. Like, their bullpen is nuts in Houston. It's Houston has everything, and they the have Yankees a bonkers pitching's bullpen. not terrible. I mean, the Yankees But pitching, they got to start Jamison but they, Tyon tonight. Well, they were going to start him last night. I understand, the, right? They, got, they, they the, lucked out, right? The big rain out. But like they have to now, they have to start him in game one. He was tonight. really good in the first half of the season. Okay, I, he was. I understand. I mean, that. if they get that guy tonight, that's a different story. Sure. And then what he about was really good? What about your aunt and you know? Like, I know the whole thing, it, right? It, like, yeah, I get some it. ants these days actually do. All right, <laughs> let's leave that alone. Okay, let's sorry. not. It's a new let's thing. Just not, let's just not do it. Right. Ain't worth it. Ain't worth it All for right. us to do that. All right. Um, yeah, I look, man. I I don't think it's going to matter. I just think the Houston is so loaded that there's just there. I mean, I think they're going to win, but wouldn't shock me if the Yankees won. Wouldn't shock me. I mean, sure. Would it shock me? Yeah, I, eh, I don't know. It's about as close as I can be. If the shock, next time Musgrove pitches, he doesn't come out with earmuffs on. Right. He, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a hair on his rear yeah, that's end. Pretty good. By the way, did you it hear? It was hilarious. Did you hear the cringiest video in the history of videos? Oh my god! No. I, I when I saw this video, what I immediately said was, "Look, if you just wanted to disappoint your parents, I think it would have been more fun to get into pornography." Okay. Like, there was a group of Padres fans, Griffin. I'm going to send this to you because it is the single worst thing. So you know, whenever a team's doing well, all of the the local media just 
wraps coverage around that team, right? Mm-hmm. Like sure. it's all we do. Every every news show is thirty minutes of talking about the Padres and then the impact on the the economy, interviewing and the fans. Hundred, that's, a, that's all. So that's, awesome. That's right. all it is right. for the entirety. So the local news in San Diego, understandably, has embraced the Padres in that way. And what comes from it is there's really not that much content worth doing. So you have to force it. Check your email. I just sent you this link. You have to force some stuff. Okay. You have to just that really doesn't deserve getting the attention. But again, right now what you're saying internally is any ounce of Padres content. Well, we it was can the old do. days when our boss would come in and say, "If you're ever stuck, mm-hmm. for, yeah, just bash Peter uh, Angelo. Just talk right. about, or or just talk about the, or just talk about the Ravens." Well, yeah. Oh, you're talking about Paul. Yes, yeah, Paul. He would come would, in and just say every, every time I would do anything other, we would be like, "You and I love covering local sports. We like the right. idea of talking up local college teams." Because they're in like Baltimore, that. correct? Right. And every time we would do that, Paul Kapelke would walk in and say, "Yeah, do less of that." Yeah, talk, talk about the Ravens. It's June, <laughs> correct? I would. I remember one day, ironically, I think it was about wide receivers. On a, like a Wednesday afternoon, I just brought it up in the first hour of the show, and I, I think we told the story before. Paul walked in, and was like, "That uh, topic that you were doing about the Ravens and the wide receivers, uh, you planning on doing more of that?" And I said, "Well, yeah. I mean, I would. I think we're going to move on and, and do some other things." He said, "I got a different idea for yeah, you. Keep doing that. Do that for four hours right, today." Right. <laughs> I said, "Yeah, it's well, in the old know, days. All you had to do was just it's talk May seventeenth. All you had to do was talk about in the old days. All you had to do was talk about Billick." That's true. That would get you. That just, would get four oh, hours of that. One hundred percent. Billick's done done a nice 100%. job. All you had to say is Billick's done a nice job. So this is KUSI. They found right. That's the big they, station. They Santa found Diego. a group of Padres fans who had a, you know, they had their Padres song that okay. they wanted to sing for the folks on KUSI. Right. And, uh, it's a it's a hell of a song. I think we should take a listen to All it. Right. Billy going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. Padres on the loose. Let's go, goose. That's what's in. Bryce gonna lose, and Manny's gonna cruise. That's what's in. Give Philly no slack and send them back. That's what's in. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. That's the... I mean, that's worse than the Beatles. That's the... which is really saying something. Shut up. That's the jam they're all, I mean, they're you all might playing. Well have, That's what all the kids are doing. You might as well have Paul, McCar- right Paul McCartney sing. Way, it's a group it's of awful. It's a group of adult men. It's horrendous. It's a group and they're of, white, which of, totally yeah, I mean, explains right, it. Of course, explains a lot. They're, they're terrible. All, these are forty and fifty year old men that were performing. I mean, if look, if you just want to disappoint your parents, I'm telling that you, makes Penny Lane sound it's like a good song. It's more fun to do pornography. Just do it, man. Like, at some point, these guys probably thought to themselves, it would be fun to do pornography, and they were like, well, no, but then people would see, and I'd be embarrassed, and I don't want to do that. Well, if you were willing to do this... No doubt. Just do pornography. Yeah, that was terrible. Like, it's going to be way more you're, fun. You're, you are prone to hyperbole, but there was the not, single, that was not The hyperbole. single worst thing I... Although, that's what... I'm oh, definitely finding myself popping. It was awful. Oh, it's horrendous. It's the most embarrassing thing ever. All right. Uh, let's play Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You heard Jeremy Kahn say it the what other day. What did you have for dinner last Friday? Uh, what'd you have? I had steak. You, I, went, I you, had a steak. You went and had the steak. I had a steak. My wife had the chicken schnitzel. Ah, loved yes. It. The Oktoberfest menu. You know, Ethan had chicken tenders. Well. Because that's know. what Ethan eats. 
Isn't he like 20 now? That's what he eats. He's 15, but he just eats Well tenders. on his way to being... Just chicken tenders. Remember the guy that uh, they hired to be the CFO at the old radio station that was, I believe, 12 years old when he started, but would just eat chicken tenders everywhere we went? We would. Go- Do you remember... Um, you're talking about BH? No, I'm talking okay. about uh, uh, this, this, uh, this one. This guy. Oh, Lord. You remember that guy? I don't even remember what his role was. <laughs> we would go out. He was like 11. Like, he would remember say. got in an argument? We used to get us oh arguments God. with us on the air yeah, all the time. Uh, we would, we, like, I, he would ask me to come with him on a sales meeting. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, buddy. I'll come with you on a sales meeting. And we would go somewhere nice. And he would chicken straight tenders. up. Uh, in front of someone he was trying to sell, he would order chicken fingers. I'd be like. How about the time I went on a sales meeting? Get a salad. Get something that adults eat. How about the time I went on a sales meeting with a potential $30,000 client? Yeah. And um, (laughs) someone someone walked in uh and said, oh, you're with with that company? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Go ahead. And I'm like, like, yeah, well, here it comes. And he goes, what effing moron Mm -hmm. at your company Mm -hmm. bought those signs behind home plate? Mm -hmm. And he said- uh, that's me. I am the effing moron. And then later yeah, on that day, I'm assuming you got that deal. And then right? later I'm on that day, I got a I got a phone yeah, call. They were gonna maybe said, spend the money elsewhere. Don't think we're gonna be doing it. Uh, and and uh, and then the person in question said to me, "I didn't like that guy from the from the minute I met him." Yeah. Well, and I'm like, by the way, you mean the guy I was at lunch with that you intruded on and yeah. ruined the deal? Yep. That guy. <laughs> I want to make sure we're talking about the same guy. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a real shame. It's hard to figure out why that station went under, you know? <laughs> really hard to figure out what might have gone wrong there. All right, go ahead. Um, anyway, Glory, Glory Days. Days Grilled, the Oktoberfest menu. Radio's Jeremy Kahn said it's the greatest thing he's ever put in his mouth. And that man has put a lot of things I in his mouth. I was going to say. A lot, a lot of things I don't know if I in his mouth. He says it's the They're best not, thing. I'm not a huge nacho. Like on a 1 to 10, I'm a 5 okay. as a nachos aficionado. Their nachos are spectacular. I I don't know that I've had the their nachos are great right? and I'm and I'm a five like, okay I'm not a all right but I'm telling you their nachos are awesome looking forward to uh, getting back over there the Bavarian burger on the pretzel bun the chicken schnitzel the slam dunk I haven't pretzels. had bread in eighteen days is it like forever now or do you I just, just haven't had bread in eighteen pause? days good for you good for you but the, I'll have uh, a burger but the, I won't eat the, the bread yeah that's what I do that's the cheddar ale soup they also have oh my god the brewer sausage platter the brewer sausage sandwich it's all delicious glorydaysgrill.com all right would you rather Wednesday number one would you rather? Uh, we you referenced the Ravens are celebrating the 10th anniversary of the 2000. Smashing Pumpkins were in D.C. last night? Uh, yeah, with Jane's Addiction at the arena. Why? Damn. Okay. With all the Very band members up. except the one who died? I don't know the answer to that question, actually. I don't know who's in Smashing Pumpkins at this point. I know Billy's in. I don't know if Darcy. Well, I mean, he's and, the band. But wasn't the, the one guy in jail? Wasn't, I don't know. Isn't, I'm pretty sure one of the guys was in jail. Well, then he probably wasn't doing the Pro- show. Probably not. Well, I wonder what the crowd was like for that. I I find it very hard to believe they filled an arena at this point. Yeah, I find 20, it, seat, 18, yeah, I find seats? 18,000 seats? I find that very hard to 18,000 people are going to go see the Smashing Pumpkins? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. 18,000 people do a lot of strange things these days. All right, number right, one. Anyway. Would you rather? The Ravens celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Super Bowl team. Would you rather? The football wizard offers you the opportunity to either have this year's team finish the season for the Ravens, or to take the 2012 team at, as they were at the time and transport them to now? I would take that team in a heartbeat. Would you? The 2012 team? I would not. They don't have Lamar Jackson. I would not. You, you do remember what happened that year, I do right? remember, but we don't... That's the thing. You're trying to guarantee that you're going to get to the part where Joe Flacco gets really good. Well, like, the Ravens aren't trying, going to the Super Bowl this year. 
then the Joe Flacco is not going to be able to, to have might. a like my point don't being. Dis- don't discount what Joe Flacco could do. <laughs> that's a great point. Great. Did point. you see the people he threw to? I understand. Well, in twelve in twenty twelve, he actually had players to throw the ball to. Unlike now, oh, like they I actually- would take that team in heartbeat. That team would beat this team's brains in. The two thousand twelve team would wreck this team. I'd, I'd rather have Lamar Jackson. You're insane. I'd rather have Lamar Jackson. That's you might want to have Lamar Jackson, but you, you got to have fifty. This the 2012 team would would roll this team. Number two, would you rather be stuck in a legit four hour traffic jam on a highway, or be stuck in a 90 minute traffic jam with the smell of 22,000 pounds of fish lingering in the air the entire time? Fish is not. I can't handle that smell. You're going to take the four hours stuck in your car yep. without the fish. Yep. So um, I don't know if you saw the story. An overturned truck spilled 22,000 pounds of fish onto a North Carolina highway. 22,000 I can't stand that smell. Pounds of fish. And I've sat in a car for four hours with your wife before. I Wait, like that. What? <laughs> what? What? Huh? It was before you guys were married. Huh? It was before you were married. What are you? It's all. What are you trying to say? <laughs> huh? <laughs> huh? Um, I'll take the four hours. I yeah, I'll take the four hours. The sitting four hours goes by quick. I can take a nap, right? But you don't know. That's the problem. You don't know that it's going to be four. You you. That's the problem with thinking you can take a nap during a traffic jam. You have no idea how long it's going to be and when you're going to have to move again. So you can't. And that's what makes it so hellacious. I'm. This is why the question is very difficult for me. I'm. I think your answer is right. Like, I think that that's a special kind of torture, but anytime I'm stuck in traffic, it feels like torture. Dude, I have quit good jobs over just, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I think if it's something you deal with every day, it, like every time I drive to D.C., Dude, I just drove down there for a golf tournament. I went two days in a row, and I by left. The, by the way, Griffin tried saying he could get to a Wizards game in an hour from Westminster. At what time? Four in the morning? Not even. You Anytime. couldn't even do it at four in the morning. You couldn't get there. No. Have you ever tried driving overnight? Because I did overnight shifts in D.C. There's still insane traffic constantly. Constantly. Westminster, 20, 20 minutes to 695. No. No chance. 20, you can't take 695. you got to take like 97. 97 straight across all the way? Yeah. It the moment you get anywhere it, close it to the tough. city, you're at But I, I drove two days to D.C., in a row for yeah. a golf outing, a golf tournament, and I drove sort of, kind of at the same time. Those two days f- totally finished me off. Mm-hmm. There would be no possible way I would drive over there at eight o'clock in the morning. When when the radio station went under, the first job I took, I think people remember, was at one hundred six seven in DC and ninety nine one, and I was doing updates for them. Right, it was just a fun side thing I could do for a little while until I figured out what I was going to do. And after a little while, they started saying, hey, do you like it here? And I was like, yeah, I like it here a lot. Like, I like the people. Everybody's been good to me. Like, this has been a great thing for me to do. And they were like, would they you? fired you? No. And oh. they were like, I think technically I'm still an employee. Uh, they were like, would you want to think about taking a full-time gig? And I was like. Yeah. If I got to live in the station. Yeah. Like, let me think which about. Which you did a couple of times like, at yeah, the other correct, place. Correct. Let me think about that. I, I might be willing to do that. Um, and then they moved from Lanham to into the city. And after the second time I went, no they said, hey, are you still thinking about what we what we talked about? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. If you guys have a helicopter. Gonna, correct. I'm going to pass. It's a great gig. Not for me. If I can't do this for myself. I'm, I'm in. All right, number three. Would you rather? Very simple. Carlos Correa or Carlos Rodon? I think we did this before. I think we did something similar, but not this. I, I, I want the pitcher. 
Okay. I'll take the picture. And then I, you don't you don't care at all about the Christmas Story movie with Ralphie, right? That's not something that registers I mean, I've for seen you. It, but but it's you don't not, you don't, I don't have an this, opinion. Then, and I'll save number four for you. You know they're doing another one. Okay. They're making another Christmas Story movie. So I don't know what you actually care about. Like what? If, let's say um, you love Lean on Me, for example. I happen to know you love Lean on Me. I love that movie. If they attempted now to make another Lean on Training Me movie, Day. right, and like involved. Whoever's still with us, I got to think about who's still with us from the first Lean on Me movie. Well, they're all Morgan Freeman. Morgan still alive. Freeman definitely still alive. Um, Robert didn't, Go- but didn't. Um, oh no, it was. Uh, it wasn't him. It was. It wasn't the actor. It was the actual principal. Just he died. died. Joe right? Clark. Yeah, Joe Clark just died. Yes. Um, but if they attempted to do another, now they on, call me Batman. Right. If they attempted to do another Lean on Me movie. You'd never find anybody doing as good as Morgan Freeman. Would you? Did it. Would you be the first person to go see it, or would you? Or would you say, "No, burn it. I don't want it. I don't want this to exist. I want it to be gone." It definitely would depend on who had the lead roles. It would depend. It, it would. Like I, this is what I'm finding myself right now with the Christmas Story thing because they put the teaser trailer out and there's nothing in it. You don't see any. It's just we're doing this right. It's coming out in November, and I care about the like. It, it's part okay. of my. The holiday every year. This is the one where the kid gets his tongue stuck yeah, on the this thing. This is right? the Red Rider BB gun, the whole okay, deal. I right. care about it. And, like, I'm going to watch it inevitably, but if presented the opportunity, I'm pretty sure I would say, no, burn it. Just burn it. May no one ever see it. May no one. Okay. I just don't. I don't need to. I don't even know when the last time. The last movie I went to, I think, was Western, uh, Western Stars, Springsteen. <sighs> and I went and sat in front of the place for a week. They're like, what are you here for? I said, Springsteen, Western Stars. They're like, that's next Tuesday. I said, yeah, I know. I just want to make sure I'm here first. I don't think I've been to a movie since then. That's the truth. That's, that's, that's what you went. I've been watching that's Parenthood a lot. So got you to the movie theater. I've been watching Parenthood. Bruce Springsteen in a bit part in a film. No, it was his movie. That's fine. Um, I don't know about the words. I'm going to see Violent Night. I know that much. I don't know. What that, that movie is. looks amazing. I'm camping out the night before to see that. Well, there's thing. a new Halloween out, right? Yeah, and it's it's apparently the worst. Griffin watched it this oh weekend. It's apparently the worst, worst movie ever. Is Jamie Lee, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis taking yeah, her clothes off or not? No. <laughs> no, she doesn't. It's a fir- first time ever, in fact. <laughs> it would be, it would have like been a much 70. better movie, I'm sure. She's like seven. Did you see Martha Stewart the other well, day? I told you about it. Wait, wait, wait. Did you see this with Martha Stewart the other day? Oh, my God. No. Martha but Stewart. But let me say it. I'm excited. Martha Stewart's 80. <laughs> Let me and, see it. Uh, she posted a, a picture. I, I'm happy to see this. A little bit of a little okay. bit of a, a thirst trap going let me on see, for let Martha me see, Stewart. Let me see. Look at Martha Stewart at 81. Look at her getting it in. First of all, there is zero chance she's 81. She's 81. She looks awesome, and Correct. at least from the head up. Correct. She's 81. Is she really? Hang on a second. Here's oh Didn't my god. She go to jail. This is the yeah. one that got everybody worked up. This is the thing. Look at Martha Stewart. Look at her. Look at her. She's she's topless. <laughs> She's doing videos at 81 where she's got... Dude, no- she looks great. She's got nothing on under her apron. She looks great. Um, I told you about a couple years ago when the dude in my neighborhood walked around with the, with the whole costume on, right? And walked and stood behind the what, cars. What costume? The Michael Myers costume. Oh, yeah. You did tell me about that. Yes. It's the greatest. Correct. I walked up to him. Correct. I said, dude, I've seen, yeah, a lot, right. I've seen a lot of stuff in my life. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. He just went and stood by cars. He just walked in my neighborhood in the costume. And just stood next to people's that's a, cars. That's a very strange. I I would be. I don't think that would be okay. <laughs> like I gotta be Dude. honest with you. I don't think that would be all right. I, that's amazing. Yeah. It, it no, a, I don't know. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. You keep seen. saying that. I'm not sure I agree. I, w- I said to my not, wife, I'm like, I gotta go up and say something to this guy. She's like, Yeah, tell him to leave. I'm like, No, correct. I'm not telling him to leave. Like, I'm gonna tell him it's the yeah, greatest thing in. I've ever seen. I'm all in. All right, uh, what's going on in your world? What can I what can I plug for you? Drewsmorningdish.com. We're we're fired up for. 
You're still doing Ravens this. Browns, baby. <laughs> You're still eight years in. You're still. I know. Almost three. Or almost up to 3,000 consecutive days. <sighs> I got to stop here at some point I mean, just to take a day off just so I don't have to keep doing it over and over. Like Once I take one day off, then the next month I can take oh, a day This is off. the problem with like, you know, every now and then somebody, you know, Sean Colson will be like, well, dude, if you just need to take a week off, like we could work around that. I'm like, I got a bad feeling that if I do that, I'm just. Then you're going to take time off I'm, all the time. I'm going to realize I don't really. Those guys on 105.7. Really, those right. guys take a day off every three e- weeks. Every, every week I ask Jeremy what's coming up on the show. i like, all right, Jeremy, what's coming up on the show this week? And he'll be like, well, it's uh, it's just me and Ed this week. No doubt. It's just, I'm like, what? And I think that's what it is. They, like, they can't give you raises anymore. They just give you half the year off. They're like, well, you don't you only have to work every couple of days. It's a very weird thing. I know. It's crazy. All right. At it's a hooded four iron on Twitter is how you follow Go Ravens. Uh, Drew's Morning Dish. And Terps. Appreciate you, pal. Terps. Terps. Terps, they play Northwestern. I'm this week. aware. What is this bit? What kind of bit what are you doing bit? here? Go. Okay. Uh, I got a funny feeling okay. about this one, too. Yeah. Saturday. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's, let's, you know what? This is the appropriate way to close. Go ahead. No. You know, they're due. They're they are due. They do. they, they, this one, you know what? They really could use this one. No. They really could use this one. They're not losing to those guys. Right. <laughs> so, what's your final score? I'm going to say four. <laughs> Maryland 27, <laughs> Northwestern 37. I can't believe they didn't, they didn't keep us on the radio. I can't believe they kicked us off. We used to get, <laughs> people used to get so mad when we would do the Ravens. They, and we would say, no, they're, they're, not, losing to the, they're uh, not losing to these guys. Yep, they're not. Texans 24, Ravens 17. <laughs> people would get so oh, mad. God. All, All right. right. All right, buddy. Go Terps. Good to see you, pal. Go Terps, he says. That's Drew Forrester. <laughs> Drew's com. Hey, uh, for those that have asked, yes, no Tyus Bowser show this week. It just didn't uh, work out with the schedule. So we're going to bring it back after the the, the primetime games. So we're going to get through that stretch of the season. And the Tyus Bowser show, the next one, will be November 1st. We will be at Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill. Come join us there. Tyus Bowser show is a partnership with Press Box and Great Eights memorabilia. It's brought to you. By Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Grill. We'll come back in, get a tidbit tubular, and Ray Rice is going to join us. We continue to celebrate the uh, 10-year anniversary of the 2012 Ravens. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at close to $59,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus. Some restrictions apply. Plus a great retirement plan, medical, dental, and vision insurance, advancement to specialized units, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days earned per calendar year, and even further incentives for military members and veterans. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, visit JoinBaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today join glenn at halftime of every ravens game for the project game day halftime show at facebook.com slash sports we apologize in advance there's not much we can do about his face winding down for uh today's show would you rather wednesday edition of the program brought to you by glory days grill uh, what were your responses griffin um uh i would take this year's that, team the, or the, the 2012 that team? one's really tough um this one's split, by the way. Like a lot, I think it's more 2012 than this year's team, but I think we're basing that off the fact that they won the Super Bowl, which is right. I, right. Like I, when we remember, that was a fairly mid team. That was not it was not a particularly overwhelming team. It was a team that got red hot in the playoffs and won the Super Bowl because of it. So, in the end, my answer is give me it's, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but. it's hard to say. Like I feel like it's hard to say that that offense was better than this one because we have Lamar Jackson now. Mm-hmm. And they were in the playoffs. There's no question. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, they were. Yeah. But can you get to that point? Right, right. I mean, yeah, I think you can. I think I have more faith in the 2012 team right now than I do in this no, one because, I mean, nothing I've seen from this team shows that they okay. can close out games, and I think they have very big issues on both sides of the ball. I think that team had a lot of issues on both well, sides of the yeah. ball as well. Like, I just think we're kind of conveniently forgetting it because we remember but how it ended. got it done. I understand that. <laughs> I think we're only remembering how it ended and not remembering how you got there. Um, the, uh, the, the fish or just a normal four hour traffic jam? Um, I think I could withstand the fish. I hate traffic. You love I fish mean, as we learned a couple weeks ago. <laughs> You're all in. Like, Griffin be looking through his car to see if any SpaghettiOs. <laughs> You're racing to try to pull one of them fish off the ground. But yeah, to get the shorter jam out of the way, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, it, This is impossible for me. Like, it's really impossible for me because it's just hell all the way around, but. I probably agree that I would serve. Oh God, ninety minutes! Ninety minutes of just that fish smell wafting in the air. I don't know which one I'm more likely to, to like completely lose my mind quicker on. So I don't know. Maybe in a way, if I've got my phone, right? Like the four hours, I feel like I'll just watch something. Right. That's probably what I would do. I just start watching something there. Um, I don't know. I. I it is really tough. That's the reason why I included it. It's really yeah. tough because yeah. 90 minutes of just pure fish smell. Ah. Ah. 90 minutes. All right, all right. I don't know, though. I don't know. Uh, Carlos Rodon or Carlos Correa? Uh, I want the pitcher, too. I want Kay. Carlos Rodon. It's been overwhelmingly Rodon. I've been a little surprised by that. Um, it means we're getting Correa. 
It's right. That's exactly what it means. You nailed it. And then I, I don't think you care at all about Christmas Story. That not, I know. Not yeah, not exactly. But but is but there is there a franchise that you're a, a film that you care about? If, like for example, the, your favorite movie is Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Um, if they did a remake of that, no, no. Like what's something that you care about? Um, in the uh, like I okay, went so and visited the, the, the Christmas. The I went when I was in Cleveland the last time. I went out of my way, waited in line to go visit the Christmas Story house. Oh, it wow. means a lot to me. The the so that movie so they're, they're doing another Knives Out movie but is it something that emotionally Curry? means something to you or just know. a I mean, film that you really like good. I'm I talking really about a film that film. you emotionally think about like it, the nice guys that's a movie that you emotionally care about I think it's right. hilarious I, just don't, I don't think you can participate with this <laughs> I don't think this is something that you have the same <laughs> trying to... I think that you are too young for this conversation continue to give me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter well, Facebook.com you, you, you have faith are you excited for it I'm going to watch it because it's coming out right like I'm going to watch it but I would just burn it just don't okay. leave it alone i'm good like i and i'm i remember like being mad that people didn't like the idea of there being another anchorman movie i was like it's anchorman let's sure let's do one more why not and then we went and saw it and you were like yep it turns out we definitely didn't need to do this there was nothing to say there was no point to this film's what existence about, like ghostbusters the, they started doing New ones of those. I mean, that's a completely different. Then you get yeah. into like societal conversations yeah. that I'm not really interested in all that much. Well, like um, the one that came out this. Past but like, for example, year. you know, the Top Gun. Oh yeah. My yeah. God, there it you was go. you know, it turns out to be the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. But like, I just have so little faith in their right. ability to do something like this with like I just think this is doing it for doing its sake. So no is my answer. Burn it. Burn it. Don't let anybody see it. Get me your responses. Somebody's I winning. Guess Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park's one that I feel very. And they so made I a w- lot I of wish, those. Yeah, I wish they would have burned. I probably wish I would, they would have burned all of those. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Proctor says they ever tried a reboot of Die Hard. I would have issues. Well, well, they did. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> they they made a lot. <laughs> like they made a lot of Die Hard. So I'm not I'm not sure if that was an attempt at a joke or if like I don't know what I'm missing there. They definitely made oh god, annoyingly so. They made more Die Hard movies. I don't really understand what the thought process was. Actually, Die Hard 2 was really good. Let me take that back. Nobody nobody wants to talk about it. Die Hard 2 was still a really good flick. It was I stand by that. I It's it's a great question. Would you rather just Die Hard live on its own? Because the truth is, Die Hard 2 was fun. It was not Die Hard, because nothing could be Die Hard. It's maybe the greatest movie ever made. But Die Hard 2 was a fun flick. Like, it's a good time. It's what you want in a Die Hard movie. I don't... Mm. I'm torn. I am torn. I'm like Natalie and Brulia at the moment. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. All right, uh, we got to fly, because we are are going very... My God, why do we say the show ends at 12 any longer? The show ends at 12.45. Uh, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Uh, order yours today, ginsugrills.com. Use the code TAILGATE and save $100 on an all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Uh, Aaron Judge now has the most career home runs in winner-go-home playoff all games. Right, all right, okay, I understand what Proctor's saying. If they attempted to like go back and redo Die Hard now, with, like that, they he'd be out on that. I agree, I agree. Uh, Don't, okay. do yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. But yeah, so Aaron Judge did that. That's That happened last night. He is now has four, which is the most... Home runs and winner, winner take all uh, play, play, playoff baseball games. Um, and then I realized so the tidbit I did on Monday with uh, NFL quarterbacks, most games where they've passed for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and no intercepts, interceptions. Brady's done it 41 times. I want to do it on just the Ravens. So the Ravens have had nine games where their quarterback has gone 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and has been done by five different players. 
Who are those five Ravens quarterbacks? I mean, give me the numbers one more time just so I, I can find. But Joe Flacco. Yes, Joe Flacco. Three games of 300 yards and three yeah. touchdowns. No interceptions. Um, It's been done by five different Ravens quarterbacks. Steve McNair. Not Steve McNair. Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde did it once. Uh, Kyle Bowler in that in, in that stretch where he had those back-to-back games against the Packers and the Vikings that were insane. No. Really? No. Those were two nuts games at the end of the year that year against the Packers and the Vikings. Both were prime time. Well, one was Christmas. The other was like New Year's Eve. Th- those He just played lights out for those two games. But maybe he threw an interception. Uh, Not sure. Does this count Lamar? Like, do I need to say Lamar? Or? Yes. Okay, so Lamar. Lamar. Yes. He, uh, Lamar also three games. Yeah. So he's tied for first. So the there's Ravens. two more. That there's two more that did it once. And this is where you just start running through yeah. because it could be anybody. My God. Jim Harbaugh. No. I mean, th- this is going to get embarrassing. Uh, Trent Dilfer, I don't think there's no. any chance. Tony Banks. No. Maybe against oh, yes, the Jaguars. Yes, Tony Banks. Yeah, yes, Tony Banks. Tony Banks. Four touchdown game. Um, It's going to be the most random thing ever. Randall Cunningham. Not Randall Jeff Cunningham. Jeff Blake. I like that guess. Not not Jeff Blake. Anthony Wright. There you go. Anthony Wright. Was it the Seahawks game? Uh, it was a I pretty sh- magical I day. Find out it what was exact a pretty game freaking was. magical day, that Seahawks I don't game, have the exact game. Where they were gifted. They were gifted a fourth timeout for whatever reason. They were able to come back from uh, down big against the Seahawks. But, All right. Uh, yeah, so the Ravens have had nine such games in their uh, history. Uh, Tom Brady's done it 41 times. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> really? Like, Tom Brady's good. What yeah. do you want to say? Hey. Josh Allen already has 12. I have picked up games. Bailey Zappi in all of my leagues, so wow. I'm now completely prepared right. for the Patriots to for insanely bench him again <laughs> for Mac Jones. And that's the problem. Like, I, There's no chance they're going to announce ahead of time. Like, They're just going to – because that's what Bill Belichick does. So I picked up Bailey Zappi, and because they're playing on Monday night, I won't be able to play him at all because I won't know. Like, It's the dumbest thing ever, but so I picked him up As long as they keep handing games. the ball off to Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, I want them to throw it to uh, Tyquan Thornton mm-hmm. because I, I had a – What ha- if they might hand it off to him too? They might have handed yeah. off to, to him too. I I have a a bye week hell league Ooh. where I had to pick up a Tyquan Thornton on top of some other very random, like I, anybody that was available. I think I picked up Devonte Parker as well. Like it was a it's a league where I have. You're gonna have to start Gus Edwards if he plays this week. I'm I don't know. Gus Edwards is not available. Um, oh wow. I had to I had to pick up Bills and I had to pick up or I had the Bills and the Rams. So I had Allen Robinson on a bye, Russell Gage on or uh, not Russell Gage. Uh, who am I think? Gabriel Davis oh, okay. on a buy. Like I just had a bunch of just buys, so I had to pick up who I had to pick up. All right, Tubular is brought to you by Guilford Hall Brewery. Guilford Hall. Sean Jackson, maybe. No, GuilfordHall.com is the website. Sixteen Eleven Guilford Avenue in Station North. It is a gem in our city. The beer selection is amazing. The Bavarian menu is outstanding. GuilfordHall.com for Guilford Hall Brewery. Here's what's coming up tonight. As I mentioned earlier, baseball playoffs. NLCS Game 2, Phillies-Padres at 4.30. Aaron Nola and Blake Snell. Apparently it's on both Fox and Fox Sports 1, so there's that. TBS for Game 1 tonight in the ALCS. Yankees-Astros, Jamison Tyon and Justin Verlander. NBC Sports Washington for the Wizards season opener against the Pacers at 7 o'clock. ESPN, Knicks-Grizzlies at 7.30. Mavs-Suns at 10. TNT, Flyers-Panthers, 7.30. Blues-Kraken at 10. ESPN 2, College Football, Georgia State and Appalachian State at 7.30. ESPN Plus, UMBC at Navy and Soccer at 7 o'clock. And the USA Network for Brentford and Chelsea today at 2.30. Non-sports highlights? Uh, Survivor's still going. New episode of Andor, the Star Wars show on Disney Plus. And then Documentary Now, Season 4 premieres. That uh, that oh. little documentary 
I'm but familiar with it. Yeah, it's never been something Armisen, I've watched. Yeah, yeah. Fred Armisen and Bill Hader. I watched yeah. it when it like, first came out. I thought it was funny, but I haven't really yeah. come back to it. But it is premiering on IFC. So I, I went yesterday, or last night. I was like, it's time for me to finally start. Um, oh, God. What's Wrexham? Name? Thank you. I was like, it's time for me to finally start Wrexham. And then I was made aware that I had not finished uh, Kevin and F. Kenef himself. So I finished that last night. So I hope that the rest of the week I can finally get into Wrexham. That's next on my list. Nice. All right. Uh, thanks today to uh, Drew. Thanks also to Brendan I. Bedejo, to Tyler Dunn, the author of The Blood and Guts, and to Ray Rice, who you're about to hear from. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the tab at com. On the program tomorrow, we'll continue to uh, chat with the 2012 Ravens. Danella Ellerby is going to join us, one, another one of my personal favorites from that team. Um, Ms. Will Barton joining us uh, tomorrow? He should be. I don't have a time confirmed yet, but we'll, we'll either we, we should Stuff be able to talk to him either Friday or Stuff tomorrow. Stuff and things, as always. It's R.I.P. Corey Deitches, I guess. That's really sad. Yeah, well, yeah, that's I'll, figure, I'll figure that out, that's too. That's not, um, not a great song. Hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? we got picks tomorrow, too. Sure. Thanks, everybody, at Pressbox. All of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Casas Inn, Guilford All Brewery, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. On TikTok yesterday, we learned something very disturbing about Griffin, by the way. Very disturbing. I don't know what to make of that. So uh, go find that at Glenn Clark Radio on TikTok. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go uh, Astros. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. We wrap up the day. Again, continue to celebrate that uh, 10th anniversary. Ray Rice joining us here on GCR. We're joined now here on GCR by a man who, of course, is a big part of the Ravens winning the Super Bowl 10 years ago, which is really a weird sentence to say. That doesn't feel right. But the Ravens are celebrating the 10th anniversary of their Super Bowl 47 title this Sunday when they take on the Browns. And this man, Ray Rice, obviously was a huge part of making that possible. He's with us on GCR. Ray, it's Glenn. It's good to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Uh, I appreciate you for having me. Uh, can you take me back, Ray? Like, you know, one, I, does it does it alarm you as much as it alarms the rest of us that we're talking about a 10-year anniversary at this point? It's... Yeah, I ain't going to lie. It does feel like, like it does feel surreal, but, man, time flies. Like, I mean... It, it, it's like where did it go? But I'm, I'm sitting back, you know, taking driving my kids to school and realizing like ten years ago, I'm like, wow, I have a ten year old. So my daughter was one when we won the Super Bowl. So yeah, uh, wow. I mean, it was a great, 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 like memories of, you know, what it took to get there and all that stuff because it's just something that is is very rare. Like yeah, you see it teams with multiple but man like and we have multiple Super Bowls you know here in Baltimore but man it's, it's hard it's hard to win a Super Bowl and that's the one thing I can you know take from the experience that's I'm so glad you bring that up right because and I'm sure as you know it's something that we're dealing with around town right now where everybody's losing their minds because the Ravens lost a football game on Sunday um, it's not like you guys were perfect that year, right? And we all remember, you know, how things played out closer to the end of the year where things really kind of looked hairy there for a minute. Like, when you say, uh, when you talk about how hard it is to win a Super Bowl, it like, winning the games is one thing, but, like, staying together for the entirety of that, how did you guys manage to do that, particularly remembering what had happened the year before? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, 
you know, you go back to our year, the year before, like, we were always right there. Like, we're getting close, getting close. And, you know, you just start, like, it gets to a point where, no disrespect to the coaches, but they're the least factor in those kind of situations. And I'm not saying the play calling. What I'm saying is there's never going to be a magical play. There's never going to be something that – but there's going to be magic moments where a player has to make a play. And I think what you've seen with our Super Bowl team was, you know, um, we were – like everybody that knew like it was going to be Ray Lewis's last game wherever he played, that took precedence over a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know – we weren't going to let nobody spoil it at our house, hmm. but what a better, the best place in the world to finish it was in New Orleans. And I think that, you know, when you put a lot of those things together, you look at what, uh, you know, Ray himself had to battle from the injury, you know, you just, you know, we were up and down. Obviously, yes, I had the fourth and 29, you know, you look at what Jacoby Jones was able to do in, in, in Denver. I mean, you you take a couple of plays and a couple magical moments with a team that we were all very close. And you take that team and you put it together, man, we got hot and we just wanted to keep it going. Yeah, it worked out all right. It worked out okay. Ray Rice is with us. Again, the Ravens celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Super Bowl forty-seven title this Sunday when they take on the Browns. Um, Ray, you, you mentioned magical moments. Obviously, um, one in particular stands out related to you, and that happened in San Diego. Um, I, I, man, if I did something like that, I feel like I would probably go back and watch it on YouTube like a hundred times. Man, I I jumped out of a plane once, and that's not even an accomplishment, but I go back and I watch it over and over and over again, just to try to relive that thrill. How many times in your life have you gone back and looked at Fourth and Twenty Nine? Man, I ain't gonna lie. Like, I, I usually take the humble approach, but I ain't gonna, I've watched it many times because <laughs> I'm like, yo, like, like that's one of them plays like you just can't dream them up, like, right? Like, but I always tell a funny story on how, like, believe it or not, like, I used to just always finish in practice, like, so you know, by the time you shook a couple people and you know you didn't get touched, you you got used to finishing down the field, and. My, did that situation come up at a unique time? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah correct. You just can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, like, like, I would tell you I prepared for it, but, you know, I made a great, great line out of, hey, diddle, diddle, Ray Rice over the middle. I mean, that was, like, I said that was the play call, but, hey, if it, when you got magic like that happening, I mean, you know you want a special team because, believe it or not, like, as good as the play was, look at Anquan Bolden's block. Right, right, right. Yep, 100%. Like, I mean, he made sure he sealed it so you can get across the line. Can, can, can you take me back to that moment? When it comes, and I, I remember you talking about it before, but I, when the ball comes to you right then, like, is your thought, oh, cool, I can get this, is your thought, dude, what's he doing? Like, we, there's no way. Like, what is going in through your mind in that moment when you get the ball underneath? Man, so I got to go in, like, virtual reality mode. So now I'm in my helmet right now. So first <laughs> thing I know is <laughs> I can't go to the right. Like, so after I got the ball, if I went to the right, that's out of bounds. Right. That's the extra defender. So I just went back to, like, old moments of thinking where I was looking at my peripheral, 
knowing that if I outrun the defensive lineman, they were in a drop coverage. So I had at least 10 to 12 yards of running before I did any, had to do anything else. But I had to run fast, straight ahead, because I knew I had to run away from them D linemen. So once I was able to do that, and then I made the hard cut, and I seen grass start coming up from the defenders that were falling, I was like, oh. And then I peeked. At the, I literally peeked and looked at the stick. Man, I just literally, I'm like, all right, virtual reality mode. Put your head down. And you gotta get it. Like, like you gotta get it. But like, you're literally playing. Like, like I wish I had to. Like, I wish I had like one of those quarterback helmets where you could hear what I was. Like, I probably was making all kind of. Ooh, ooh, ah, like I probably was saying so much stuff. Like that probably would have been like viral right there. But like I know that I was literally like playing, you know, a, like a joystick in my head, but knowing I had to get through that maze to find the final destination. Man, like the what was the the Michael Vick commercial with like the 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 roller coaster ride, right? Like it's it's almost feels like that yeah. is what you were doing in that moment. Uh, was there a moment? Yeah, was there a moment during the play that like you realized, oh oh crap, we we've, we've got this, like or did, like did you know how close you were? Like, can you take me back to that? And do you remember, like like oh this is this might work? Yeah, like I remember. When I finally got down, I peeked over. I'm like, yeah, I got it. I got it. But I, you know, the one thing, the one thing I remember that was like monumental was the life that got sucked out of the stadium. No doubt. You could oh. hear a pin drop. Like, and it still doesn't hit you because we gotta still play the game. But we knew momentum. Everything had shifted from that moment on. Like, um. and it, we knew like. There was no life left in the San Diego Chargers. That moment right there was it. And, like, no first down, we home. That's no playoffs. Like, I didn't even know the ramifications of it. And sure. So, like, you're like, yo, you don't get first down, no playoffs. Like, wow. Like, that. Like, I mean, I feel honored to be a part of, like, arguably one of the most the biggest plays in Baltimore Ravens history. No, there's no question about it. I mean, there's absolutely no debate about it. And you're right. Like, at the time, you know, the, you guys were kind of sitting pretty at the moment after the struggles in the next couple of weeks. You, you look back and reverse it, to your point, if you guys don't win that game, you know, the, yeah, his, that history was, is totally different. Yep, completely different. That was a playoff game. That, that was a must-win game. That I do remember. We lost that game. The way it was shaking up, we were going to be out of the playoffs. Ray Rice with us here on GCR. Ray, you know, when when you bring up, you know, we, we reference that what you guys went through late in the season, right? And and how you're able to stay through it together. I, you know the parallel, right? The Ravens this season have um, lost three games in which they've had big leads in the second half. And there's this thing that people say, we're like, how does that not impact you? How does it not, you know, frustrate you? And how do you not allow that to seep in? You guys went through that. I mean, we remember the the Denver game. It was a mess, right? Like, you went through a stretch late in the season where it wasn't going well. When you're going through stuff like that, what does it look like in a locker room? Like, what do you guys talk about it? Are you able to utterly block it out and just be laser-focused on the next game you're playing? Like, how how does that go? Because clearly, you know, this group you know, right now is going through something kind of similar. I mean, honestly, you have to. Like, I mean, it's not like, I mean... Like you said, the thing that 
the variable here that we're talking about is early in the year. Like, I mean, if this was happening at week 12, you, you, you got, like, you're concerned, you know, and it's still alarming, but like I said, it's going to get to a point where, you know, I heard Marcus Spears say it today on TV, right? Lamar Jackson is always trying to make the play. Mm-hmm. Like, no doubt about it. The same things he does when he's making the plays is the same thing that, you know, you look at that kind of could come back to bite you. But he's that good. That Like, you're talking about him being a better decision maker. Like, he's shown, like, his, from his now to the to, – from now where he started, we all – everybody said he couldn't pass the ball. You know, now – it's just, you know, everything he does great, he's going to leave himself for more critique. Like, I mean, the greats of the world understand that. And I think that, listen, Tom Brady's dealing with it right now. Russell Wilson's dealing with it right now. Like, these are Hall of Fame guys. Aaron Rodgers is dealing with it right now. And Lamar Jackson is substantially younger than them with a whole lot of football left to play on a team that, really, I mean, supports him. Like his teammates from the coaches, from everybody the top down knows that, you know, if, if they had to do it all over again, he's going to make the right play. But I'd rather that now than week 14. Um, I, I completely, uh, you know, I, by the way, I, as we say that, you guys figured it out after week 14. So, you know, right. there is something funny to be said about that. I, if I could, you know, you know how this goes, right? Like whenever you go through something like this, everybody wants to blame somebody. Everybody wants to criticize somebody. And John Harbaugh has, has faced some criticism and said, hey, look, you know, the buck stops with the head coach. You guys went through a lot, right, that season. Um, you know, not just that, that stretch at the end of the regular season, but I think the, the stories are kind of famous about the Houston game and with the bye week and you guys, you know, pushing back on how hard he wanted to go in practice. Can, can you tell me, based on your experience with John Harbaugh, about how he handles adversity and what you would expect out of him right now dealing with adversity, maybe compared to some of the adversity that you guys went through then? Well, one thing I love about him is that, like, he takes accountability, you know, for – being the head coach, you know, at the end of the day, he's not the one out there playing, you know, but it takes a stand-up person, you know, to really take accountability for it. So I think as a player, when you look back on it, you appreciate a guy like that, you know. um, But at the same time, there's only so much you could do. Like, yes, practice, the game planning, all that stuff. But as you get later in the year, the guys can't be banging and doing all that stuff. Like, I mean – it's just not possible because, you know, their bodies, they've already put their bodies through a lot already. So, you know, I think you're going to get a more detailed-oriented group. You know, I think that the game has changed, whereas, you know, the Baltimore Ravens have, they like, if anybody looked at that game and take the score out of it, it looks like the Baltimore Ravens trampled the New York Giants. Hmm. So we're talking about, a couple different – we're talking about four to six plays in that game. The Ravens are still a good football team, you know. So, yes, we got to finish. Yes, we got to do all those things. But on paper, the stat sheet, that's why analytics and stuff – I mean, I don't really agree with all the analytical stuff because analytics would say the Baltimore Ravens clearly win that game. Mm-hmm. But we also know that 
one or two, three, like three to four plays can no be doubt. a difference in the whole game. No doubt. So, but it does it does show that like I, I appreciate you know coach for always you know being the being at the forefront of it. Like he does not make excuses, and he says like the buck stops with the head coach. Like that's that's a, that's who you want. That's who you want. You want your top guy to take the bullets so that the guys can go to work. And like that's what I feel like they're gonna do. Ray, let me let me let me wrap with this because I want to bring it back to you guys and this anniversary coming up on Sunday that you guys are celebrating. What does it mean ten years later? What does it mean to you now that maybe it couldn't have meant? How is your context or the way that you look at? What you guys did changed over ten years now, or approaching ten years removed from winning, you know, the only Super Bowl that you won in your career. Man, it, you know, it changes everything. It literally changes everything because, like I said, if it was the one thing that you realize that it is the hardest goal to achieve in sports to assemble, to assemble a bunch of men. Some came from poverty. Some came from wealth. Some got it came from came from different parts of the world, and to assemble us in a in a in a span of six months and tell us we're brothers. We got to figure this out. That is the hardest task in the world to do to assemble grown men who got families, kids, face adversity. Man, it's usually a lot of that stuff that makes a lot of the difference. Like that's the stuff. Whereas, like, I mean, we're we're told everything. Your targets can't do this. You, you like, where some people just like want to be free. But you know how much sacrifice is made for your teammates if you really believe that you can get it done. Hmm. Hmm. That's what winning the Super Bowl is. Like, and you notice I mentioned not coaching. And it's nothing on the coaches. It starts from the top. It starts from our relationships with Ozzie Newsom, Steve Bashadi, hmm. Eric DaCosta, like everybody in the building. To, 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 let me show you how tight we were. To the people who were the janitors, the firefighters, the equipment managers. Mm. Mm. It is a whole operation that has to be on one accord. Like, because they all matter, the trainers. They all matter. Like, so it's like everything got to be firing on all cylinders for that, to, for that to be really good. And it's the people that we don't talk about, the people who's doing the tickets week in and week out so your family members can be taken care of. Imagine, like, you don't have that in order. Like, and you're thinking about tickets or whether you got to, like, run a touchdown or do, like, there's a lot of things that could be on your plate. But they got a lot of people over there that do a great job of taking the stress off of you so that you can just focus on doing your job while you're there. Right. It's, uh, it's going to be great to see you guys back together this weekend and uh, what thrills you all gave us during that season, uh, memories that will last a lifetime for everybody here. I know you're still around. I know you're still involved. Um, I, I appreciate you taking the time for us, man. I have no doubt we'll catch up again soon. Thank you for hopping on and sharing it with us, and enjoy this this weekend, man. Oh, no, my pleasure, man. I appreciate you for having me.